slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm wearing a smart suit jacket today. Have you noticed? Yes, well, you should do. It's kind of improving my level of standards, I think. Maybe not, because that sentence made almost no sense whatsoever. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including... There are calls to make teachers do tougher tests to improve the standards of education. That's what the government will announce later on today. This morning, who are the best and who are the worst teachers at your school? I knew who my favourite was, Mrs Routledge. She was fantastic. Uh, There are calls for improvements on the Redways in Milton Keynes. What would make you use them? And as the most popular passwords are revealed for things like your emails and Facebook and stuff like that, I don't want to know your password necessarily... But I do want to know, why did you choose your password? And we'll go through the list later on to see if yours is in the top ten. If it is, maybe you should change it. You can get in touch lots of ways. You can email 3cr at bbc.co.uk. You can text 81333, starting your text 3CR. Or, but I think it's slightly better if you give us a call. It's a Friday. Let's, let's phone up. 08459 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, if your son or daughter wants to become a teacher, they will face tougher tests. The government's making the announcement in an effort to raise standards in education. Current tests in maths and English will be made more difficult and trainee teachers will only be allowed two resits. The aim is to raise the quality of teaching in England. But what makes a good teacher? We went to St George's School in Harpenden to find out what the pupils think. I think a good teacher involves the whole class and everything that they do and they want the best education for you. I look up to teachers who encourage you to speak your own opinion. That's one of the reasons why I like RE, because you're encouraged to like discover your own voice. English is what I enjoy most, and my English teacher is one of the most passionate people I've, I've ever met. And he really brings that into the classroom, and he, he brings that into you, and I think that's why I enjoy it so much. Probably someone who's like approachable they want they're really enthusiastic about what they do and they want everyone else to be just as enthusiastic and try and do well well dave mingay is the national union of teachers representative for luton good morning dave good morning I, you are a teacher yourself i'm indeed a teacher, i yes. always listen i'm nearly 40 i still feel uncomfortable calling teachers by their first names <laughs> I, it, 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 it just that's not right is it really well, it, it depends on the on the setting. Um, in some sixth form colleges, it's, it's more normal practice because uh, learning becomes a little bit more informal. Yeah. Okay. What do you think about this government uh, announcement they're going to make today that teachers will have to take tougher tests to become teachers? Well, if the government idea is to raise the status of the teaching profession, if we compare compare it to um, countries like Finland, where teachers are masters only profession, you need a master's degree in order to become a teacher, then that's absolutely fine, and that's something we would. Want welcome however it's a real mixed message from the government because at the same time they're saying to become a teacher you need to do a tougher test in order to an undergraduate or postgraduate route to become a teacher they're saying they'll allow in their academies and free schools unqualified people to come and teach our children this is the thing that i found out a couple of weeks ago and i'm I'm glad you mentioned this that that, that to to be a teacher in these academies you don't need to be a teacher you can just if you've done something like you've been a soldier or you run a butcher's or something you can go in and be a teacher how does as as someone who's, who's qualified and has trained 
How does that make you feel? It really devalues the, the, the profession. I spent four years at university studying the, the, the pedagogy behind education and, and the history of learning and, and child development. And someone's just walking off the street because you know, they've served on the front line in Afghanistan. As much respect as I have the people who do certain jobs like that, it doesn't actually make you qualified to be a teacher. There's more to it than just standing in front of a classroom delivering a lesson. Let's put that to one side for the moment. Let's, let's, let's talk about, in inverted commas, normal teachers, if such a thing <laughs> exists. Uh, surely it makes sense, doesn't it, to try and raise the standards? Because, I, I, listen, I'm going back 30 years or so, 25 years. I had some brilliant teachers, some fantastic teachers. Mrs Routledge, I mentioned earlier, was wonderful. I had some blooming awful ones as well, who, who not only um, didn't seem to know their subject, they couldn't keep control of a, a, a group of, of kids. Surely it makes sense to raise the standards. Well, everything you've described is fair enough, but what I would say is everyone has a view on education, and that's one of the the problems with being a teacher for want of a better phrase is that everyone has a view on education because everyone's been to school um and this is michael Gove's issue he's been to school and he had a very positive experience in school and now he wants to recreate his education experience for everyone well it doesn't doesn't work for everyone and having control of the class as you said deep subject knowledge that's one thing but actually these tests wouldn't address that what we need is proper professional development for teachers so ongoing in-service training to ensure your subject knowledge is up to date to ensure your your skills as a teacher are up to date and as best as they can be would you accept that there are some rubbish teachers I said there are, there are some people. I wouldn't say rubbish teachers. No, there are people who who people view as not being a very good teacher. It's it's deceptive. What do you call a rubbish teacher? Who judges the rubbish teacher? You say you didn't enjoy your education experience for some teachers. Well, that because you might not have gotten with that teacher. There are there are many different reasons yeah. why people judge teachers according to many different categories. But it, I, I'm thinking of one teacher in specific. I won't even say what lesson it was because I don't want to do him a disservice. I've given something away there. But uh, he didn't know the subject. And he couldn't keep control of the class. And surely that, uh, that's part of the key of being a good teacher, isn't it? Is, is knowing what you're talking about, but also being able to inspire the kids. Absolutely, of course, which is why I say there's more to teaching than just uh, having a career in, in another subject. For example, if you're a stockbroker, it mm. doesn't mean you can go and teach an, uh, teach an outstanding math lesson. Is there, uh, I've got no idea of the answer to this. Is there a shortage of teachers at the moment? Are, 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 are numbers down on people wanting to become teachers? There are people leaving the teacher profession in droves, uh, to be honest, because of Michael Gove, because of this government's constant right. attack on teachers. There are so there are shortages in certain subjects. We often have uh, shortages of science teachers, for example. Really? Uh, modern foreign languages is a big shortage area at the moment. And something like this, I'm guessing, could possibly put people off becoming teachers if they're, they're thinking hang on a second this is this sounds too tough for me i'm out well the whole idea behind it is that too many people are passing the test so the government looks at rather than say that's amazing we've got these teachers who are all passing their entrance test yeah they say too many people are passing the test so therefore the test clearly can't be hard enough so we have to make them harder there's no logical reason behind it you say there's a shortage of teachers in uh, modern languages and uh, sciences how do you fill that gap what do, you, what do you do? Well, for, well, you don't do what Michael Gove is doing. What the government is doing is constantly bully teachers. Since January, we've had on average two press releases a week attacking teachers. And this, what we're talking about now, is just another example of the government constantly trying to attack and undermine teachers. Is this, well, is this true? I've, I've, I've read this, and I don't know if this is true or not, that one of the things that Gove is talking about is banning calculators and teachers' tests. Is that, is that part of it? 
Well, Bannock, Bannock, you can ban a character. You do a test at the age of 22. Yeah. And you don't use a character. That's fine. That shows at the age of 22, you've got very good subject knowledge. Ian, when you were at school, I'm sure you were very good at certain subjects. But are you still good at those subjects? Now, your knowledge does pass over time. Yeah. That's why I say it's not just about doing tests. When you enter teaching, yeah. it's about ongoing development as a teacher. What's that got to do with calculators? Teachers shouldn't be allowed to use calculators, should they? If the, it's, if the it's pupils irrelevant. can't... Well, no, it's, it's, it's irrelevant. irrelevant. It's relevant. It's, it's not relevant. It's, it's not, relevant. If the, if the it's kids not relevant. can't use it. It's not relevant to doing a test at the age of 22. You can give someone a calculator. You, yeah. give, you don't give them a calculator. So they shouldn't it's, be allowed calculators. It's neither here nor there whether they have a calculator or not, because at the age of 22, 23, it could be forced. We get many people yeah. entering the teaching profession later. It shows that they can do something at that time. Right. It doesn't then impact on their practice as a teacher for the rest of their career. Very, very cleverly dodged that. That, that, the answer, I think. <laughs> Excellent work. Uh, uh, very quickly, have you got a favourite teacher that you remember that you kind of, that kind of inspired you to get into teaching? Absolutely, I have a favourite teacher. As everyone, he was. A, I was um, in what would be now classes year. F- Five. Oh, I, I don't know, know what that means. Oh, that is uh, between nine and ten. So there's, there's my penultimate year of primary school. Okay. He was called Mr. Thomas, and I still remember him to this day. What did he? What was so special about him? He just inspired me. He, yeah. he was very. He was just. Uh, he had a very good relationship with the pupils he taught. Some, some of them do. do I, I do get confused with this year five years. So I've got no idea what that means. That's the fourth. That's the fourth year in primary school for me. Year five is the third year of junior school. Third year. Okay, it gets so confusing. I'm such <laughs> an old man. I'm so out of touch with it. Uh, listen, thank you, Dave. Thank you so much for coming in at this ridiculous time in the morning. <laughs> are, you, are you off teaching today? I'm, I am. Yeah, I'm in school today. Yeah. Well, good luck. And um, what age? What age people do you teach? I teach uh, infant school children. Do you know what? Three years ago, I very nearly became a primary school teacher. Did the test put you off? No. <laughs> I tell you what put me off was the r- rubbish pay. The pay was awful, but I spent a couple of days in the primary school, and I'd filled in all the forms and everything, and then we were having a, a baby, and I thought, I can't, I can't make this move at this time. But uh, thank you very much for coming in. So we'll have a discussion about pay another day. We will have a yeah, we'll, We will do. Uh, Dave Mingate, National Union of Teachers representative for Luton. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. I want your teacher stories, good and bad, please. Was there one teacher at school that really kind of just inspired you and made you want to achieve more? And were there teachers that made you think, oh my goodness, they don't know anything at all? 08459 455 555.
the pointer, sisters. <laughs> I'm so excited. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Teacher stories, good and bad, please. No names, no pack drill. Let's get the travel news now with Sophie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, no major problems to update you with at the moment. Looks like it's all moving fairly nicely out there on the whole. The usual delays not yet beginning to creep in this early Friday morning, and the motorways are all looking good across the area as well. Now, just checking the local live departure boards, and a replacement bus service is running this morning on Greater Anglia between Ware and Hartford East. Still doing a uh, earlier signal problem. Everything else, though, really not causing too much of a problem at all. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. Morning, it's 6.16, it's Friday the 26th October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. The government will today announce tougher tests for prospective teachers in an effort to raise the standard of education. People living near to the proposed HS2 line through Buckinghamshire are unhappy with the compensation deal being offered by the government. In sport in the Europa League, Liverpool are now top of Group A after a wonder goal. Wow, a wonder goal from Stuart Downing saw them beat the Russian big spenders ANZI 1-0. There'll be a full weather bulletin shortly. And coming up, if you live in Milton Keynes, then you may have considered using the redways to get around the new city. With a growing population, the council is trying to encourage more people to use them for commuting. We'll hear more before 6.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every Monday to Saturday from 12, Nick Coffer. The fact that the Red Arrows are a British institution, mm. where does that come from? It's been built up over, you know, almost 50 years now. Nick Coffer. The image of the Red Arrows, for me, it's, it is the Jubilee, it is the football matches, uh, it is the Olympics this summer, and th- these are good memories. Hearing the reaction of the people as they see the Reds come up the mall, that just makes the job worthwhile. Nick Coffer, Monday to Saturday from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. I did have a fantastic teacher, Mrs Routledge, who taught English. She was fantastic for several reasons. One, because she was hot, and I know, but I think it's important. But two, because she was she was so encouraging. Because I, I, at school I'd say, yeah, what do you want to be? I want to be an actor. Everyone would go, yeah, right, OK. You could work in the Mars factory that's near here. And she was the only one that said, well, if that's what you want to have a go at, then why don't you have a go at? And she gave me extra lessons and helped me out and did all kinds of stuff. I want to know your teachers, good and bad. I had some terrible ones as well. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Well, look at that, look at that, look at that, look at that. Ooh, we look at that, look at that, look at that. Ooh, we oh ah oh ah oh. Well, she's so fine, fine, fine. She's so fine. Oh! 
Teachers, page nine of the mail. I can't believe I'm saying this. It's fast becoming my favourite newspaper. Fiona Phillips, you know the TV presenter? She got invited to our old school to give a speech about what it was like being an old girl from that school. And so they expected her to say, oh, I had a great time, loved it, really good. And she just laid into the school. She laid into them. She just, uh, I wanted to be a doctor, but they said, have you thought about hairdressing? I became a vile teenager. Uh, she said that the headmaster at the time was a man who commanded no respect whatsoever. That's quite cool. That's quite good, isn't it? Going back to your old school to give a speech and then basically giving them the two-fingered salute. Good teachers, bad teachers. Don't want any names, really. But uh, I, I want to know why they were so good and why they were so bad. Let's get the weather now with Steve Weston. Beds, hearts and bugs weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, chilly old day coming up, particularly across sort of the north of Bedfordshire and Milton Keynes. They're probably only going up to about 7 there. Elsewhere, 8 or 9 Celsius for the top temperature, up to 48 Fahrenheit. And it should stay dry all day with sunny spells and patchy clouds. But the breeze is going to pick up to a moderate north or northeasterly. Tonight, a cold night and under clear skies, we'll have a widespread frost, both air and ground tonight, a moderate northwesterly breeze. And the lowest temperature for most places, 0 Celsius, 32 Fahrenheit, with perhaps through the Chilterns and the Downs, a minus one in a sheltered spot out of the breeze. Saturday, cold and frosty start, but a dry and bright day with plenty of sunshine. Sunday, clouding over with spots of patchy rain or drizzle from time to time. And then Monday, again, cloudy with some chance of some showery rain, turning drier later on. Tuesday, a cold start, but fine and dry with plenty of sunshine after any early mist or fog clears away. And there's your weather forecast from me, Steve Weston. Thank you, Steve. Now, our BBC Three Counties reporter, Justin Daly, is uh, out and about. I've got literally no idea where he is. Justin, whereabouts are you? Where are you going? Hello, Ian. You well? Uh, Weekend just around the corner. What have you got in the background now? Smoke on the water. (laughs) A bit of deep purple for you this morning. (laughs) Uh, And there is a reason to this. There is is a reason. Is there? there? Right, go on. What is it? I have a towel and some lovely shorts at the ready. Oh, God. That's a horrible (laughs) image. No, we've got kids listening. You'll scare them. Today is the official opening of the £26 million sports facility in Lucent. It's called Inspire. It is new. It's fresh. It boasts some of the best facilities in the country. For example, there are very few 10-metre diving platforms in in the whole of the country. They now have one here in Luton. So the Duke of Kent will be there today, as will the Paralympic legend Johnny Peacock, and I'll be live at the Luton Sports Village in Stopsley before 7 o'clock. Anything could happen this morning. Well, when you say anything could happen, does that also include you possibly jumping off of the 10-metre board? Well, quite possibly. I've got my pink shorts with me. Justin Daly, we, we look forward to hearing you splash into the water from a very high height. 
We've said it on the air now. It has to happen. Otherwise, Daily Mail, Ofcom. We could be in trouble. Thank you, Justin. We'll speak to you later on. 08459 455 555 is the phone number if you want to give us a call. And you might want to give us a call about this if you live in Milton Keynes because possibly you have considered using the redways to get around the new city. With a growing population, the council is trying to encourage more people to use them for commuting. But cyclists say improvements are needed first. There are 180 miles of the red footpaths which link most areas. And most of the time, you don't have to cross a road. The council says it'll invest £4 million to make improvements in the next 18 months. Our reporter Tony Fisher met cyclist Pippa Fenton on the Redways to talk about her concerns. The glass certainly isn't ideal and you have to really watch where you're going when you're cycling in case you, well, if you travel through that glass, you, can, you might stand a chance of getting a puncture, yeah. either so, here or in the future, <laughs> further down the road. So if the council are going to advocate go on the red, Redways, it, it would be a good idea to clean up the glass first, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, and, and I, I think actually the... Uh, there's issues there really with with the people who who drop the glass in the first place and the council will come along and try and sweep it up afterwards but in this particular place they haven't done a very good job Mm. on this stretch the lamps are all down the side of the redway here by first and lake so is this stretch quite well lit or yes this is a this is a good piece of redway and it's i think it's probably quite well used are there stretches which are particularly underlit yes there were there are some that are underlit um, and it depends which routes you take. So there, there will be stretches that are darker, and it's then difficult to see what's on the on the path. And what about Bletchley? Is that is that particularly bad area? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think from here, I suppose it depends what routes you take and um, and and where you find the redway. Doesn't the redway just sort of suddenly come to an end? Um, I think in one place, thinking about where, the way I travel into Bletchley, there is a an area that goes underneath the railway bridge. I think it is um, where you have to negotiate a piece of road. Um, which can be quite uh, dangerous. You do have to wait for fast traffic coming past. Um, and, and I'd say the redway routes around that way are not necessarily ideal if you want to take a direct route in. What about the actual map? Do you use the redways map? Is that a useful <laughs> tool or is it a bit confusing? I have, I have tried to use the redways map in the past, um, had a good look at it and taken it A couple it of cyclists going past yeah, now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hiya. Um, so I have tried to use the Redways map and taken it out with me, thinking it's going to be a great help, and actually got completely lost. Um, because actually when I looked at the map, and I wasn't used to, to cycling on the Redways, um, I didn't have any reference points on the, on the map. It didn't actually relate to the roads. So I don't use it anymore. I, I tend to take a, a map out with me, which has little tiny um, cycleways marked on it. So you need good eyesight for that. Um, so I think actually the ma- mapping system could be improved, as, as could signing. What's, what's wrong with the signing? There's just this morning, actually, coming, uh, coming along uh, from an unfamiliar part of, of the city, um, I was trying to negotiate when my way back home. It came across um, some signs which pointed in two directions, but not in the third. <laughs> so I wasn't sure which, which way that was actually going to lead me. Um, I did find my way back eventually, but it's a bit of common sense sort of logic yeah, <laughs> that yeah. gets you there in the end. <laughs> well, if you use those redways, I'm aware of them, I've seen them, I've never used them. If you do use them, could you give us a call? And if you don't, is there a reason that you don't? 08459 455 555. And later on, we'll hear from another cyclist and also Milton Keynes Council to find out what they're planning to improve to get more people to use uh, the redways. We're talking as well about passwords this morning. The, the, the Mail has uh, released the top 25 passwords, the most common passwords for things like your emails and logging onto your workplace computer and Facebook and all of that kind of stuff. 
And while I don't want to particularly know your password, although if you want to share it with us, you're more than welcome, I do want to know why you chose your password. Uh, A member of the team here, I will say no more... But a member of the team here uh, has basically used the same... And again, I won't say what it was. Has, has used variations of the same password for, what, last ten years? Something like that? Uh, and it's because uh, her first boyfriend... Again, I wish I could go into much more detail about this story. I can't. There's so much gossip involved here. Her first boyfriend, this was his password. And so ten years later, she's still using variations of that password. The story's better than that. It's a lot more salacious. But I cannot... I'm getting evil daggers from a member of the team. I cannot go into it. Uh, We'll do, uh, I tell you what, let's uh, do a couple from the top five. Number five, most common used password is QWERTY, as in the QWERTY keyboard. What's the difference between French keyboards and uh, English keyboards? Anybody? 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 We're QWERTY, they're Azerty. Did you not know? There we go, little fact. Boring fact, but a little fact. Number four, top password, ABC123. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. I'll give you the top three in a little bit. Why did you choose your password? What's the story behind it? Let's get the travel now with Sophie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Beginning to look a little bit slow at the moment, heading on the A405, the North Auto Road, approaching the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. Everything else, though, not looking too bad at the moment. Seems to be coping fairly well around the A1, the A41, sorry, and the A414 as well. No major problems to update you with just yet. Motorways are coping well, but there is a replacement bus service running on Greater Anglia services between Ware and Hartford East. It's following a signal problem, but tickets are being accepted on the London Underground and First Capital Connect services. There's more in 15 minutes. Thank you very much, Sophie. I should just say, for those of you who've been listening uh, to this show for, for a while, th- th- you'll be used to the weather being at about 20 past six, sometimes 23 past six if they're, you know, a little bit slow on the dial. It's going to be changing from next week. If you're a big fan of the weather, it's going to be from the, the quarter to the hour from next week onwards. Don't worry, we'll all get used to it. We'll muddle through it together as a team. Let's get the news and sport now with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's 6.30. The headlines. The government will today announce tougher tests for prospective teachers in an effort to raise the standard of education. People living near the proposed HS2 line through Buckinghamshire are unhappy with the compensation deal being offered by the government. And cyclists in Milton Keynes say improvements are needed on the redways before people will use them. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. In the Europa League last night, Liverpool are now top of Group A after a wonder goal from Stuart Downing saw them beat the Russian big spenders Anzi by 1-0 at Anfield. Here's manager Brendan Rodgers' reaction. Another very good performance, you know, against a, a very good side, a side that is, they've got over an 80% win ratio. So uh, this season, you know, they've only lost one game. So for us, and with the power that they have, especially in attacking areas, it was a very good performance. Newcastle beat Club, Club Bruges 1-0 to extend their lead to three points to the top of Group D. In the Europa League, Gilfie Sigurdsson scrambled an equaliser for Tottenham as they drew one all with NK Maribor in Slovenia. Looking ahead to this weekend, Sport Watford are at managerless Blackburn in the Championship tomorrow without Daniel Pudil and Nathaniel Chalova after their midweek red cards. In League One, second place Stevenage hosts Swindon. Here's manager Gary Smith. Swindon are a really good side, have plenty of, of quality in there to, to punish us. But we ain't on a bad run ourselves and we're not a bad bad team ourselves. So, you know, we're always sure that we can find the back of the net somehow, some way. 
Also in League One, MK Dons travel to Scunthorpe and in League Two, Wickham have a local derby at home to Oxford. In the conference, Luton travel to fellow promotion contenders Forest Green with striker John Shaw in confident mood. We're five wins out of six. Um, great form going in up against a side that you know are well fancied and they, you know they've got a good backing behind them. So you know it'll be a tough place to go, but we're looking forward to it. We don't fear anybody. And that's your latest from BBC Three Counties News and Sport. More from me in half an hour. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning! Talisa is in all the newspapers. I don't get Talisa. She's from the X Factor. I don't get Talisa. She's right. She's not a particularly good singer. It doesn't mean anything these days. You don't have to be to be a pop star. She's not particularly attractive. She's not particularly talented. I don't... Get it? If she were really, really foxy, then you could sort of go, ah, well, she's hot, I can see why she's making... But she's not. She's sort of like the third-best-looking girl at the bus stop, isn't she? Really? I don't, I don't mean to be rude, I just don't get why she's in all the papers and is having a much more successful career than me. Coming up on the next half an hour of this show, the compensation for those people affected by the high-speed rail route has been announced. We speak to one Buckinghamshire woman whose uh, house is being demolished to find out how much she's getting, and is it enough? And today the new leisure centre in Luton opens officially. Will my reporter, Justin Dealey, jump into the pool? Find out in the next half hour.
song. I wasn't expecting that to pop up, isn't it? I like that. Very uke heavy. Yes, well spotted to everybody there. Very ukulele heavy. Good work. Fantastic. It's made my day, that has. Um, now, residents living near the planned high-speed rail route through Buckinghamshire say the distribution of compensation by the government isn't fair. They say those living slightly further away from the line will be affected but are not being compensated. The government has agreed to buy any property within 60 metres of the line at full market price. Well, Liz Bristow lives right in the path of the proposed train route in South uh, South Heath and her house will be demolished. Morning, Liz. Good morning. Uh, Your house, uh, built by your parents in 1956. That's right. So you've got a long attachment to it. How do you feel about getting booted out? Well, we were devastated. You know, um, at first when the news came through, we just couldn't believe it. Mm. We live in this wonderful area of, you know, outstanding natural beauty. You cannot imagine that somebody's going to drive a railway straight through your property. And how does it work? Because these compulsory purchase orders always uh, strike me as odd that this can happen. Do you just get a letter one day saying, we're building a train route in your, through your house, we're going to buy it off you? Is, is that how it works? Well, not really. I mean, they don't really contact you to start with. Oh, don't they? Oh, that's no, nice. No, no. no. All, all you get is, um, one day we were out for the day, came home and somebody said, have you heard where the new rail route's going to go? So we said no. Mm-hmm. And so they said, well, have a look at the map. And when they showed it to us, originally it was going to go directly behind our house, which, as you can imagine, would be even worse yeah. than it is now because it, the disruption would be enormous. Of course. But we just couldn't believe it. No, we didn't get any any um, notification from anybody until, until Justin Greening confirmed it. I think it was January the 10th. Right. And then we got a standard letter saying that uh, part of our property would be needed. And that was it. You know? And we, uh, Together with this uh, buy and rent back arrangement that they were offering us. But um, no, um, personally, we've just recently had a letter from HS2 Limited to say, um, which bit of this land do you own? I mean, they haven't even bothered mm. to go into the land registry and find out. How does it make you feel, Liz, having to move oh, out of your family home? Well, if, first of all, you're absolutely stunned, and then you think, this just isn't fair. But then I've got to think... Over the years, it's happened all over the country, hasn't it? I mean, you drive a road through and people are losing their houses all the time. And it it seems to us just a terrible waste of money, of the country's money, and uh, unnecessary. But what do we know about anything? Liz, I'm going to ask you, let's let's talk numbers if I may be so rude. How much are you going to get for your house? How much are they paying you? Oh, I don't know. We haven't been offered. Have they not? No. 
hang on a second. So they've not said to you, right, your house is worth, let's say, £200,000. We're going to, that's what we're going to give you, and maybe a little bit more just to be nice. They've not said anything about numbers. No. No. Well, how, uh, how can I... you move, how can you plan ahead then if you don't know what's happening? Well, all they've said is, I mean, with this new compensation scheme, that they will um, get an estimate of what it was this house was worth before um, this this planned railway was right. going through, and they will pay us that. So they'll pay you the market value. I've heard stories That's that it's, it's market value plus 10% and costs. Is that Have you not heard that? Uh, well, I think it's something like that. And then you are allowed to... They will buy it from you, and you can rent it back until they need to demolish oh, it. Oh, that's kind of them, isn't it? Well, isn't it? That's Sweet nice. Them. Yeah, yes. yeah, really nice. L- listen, let's stay on the line, because we're also joined now um, by uh, Chesham and Amersham MP, Cheryl Gillan. Morning, Cheryl. Oh, morning, Ian, and morning to Liz as well. I mean, it is, I think, a terrible situation for people along the route of this uh, proposed railway. Cheryl, I'm surprised that Liz doesn't have a, a fixed offer and know exactly what's going on. It all sounds a little <laughs> bit vague, doesn't it? Well, I, I have to tell you, it gets even worse than that, because if you read the consultation document that's come out on compensation, um, as, I, as I did last night, um, it says that although um, the route of this HS2 railway is fixed, the precise line of route isn't known yet, because there has obviously got to be further mitigation and design work developed if it goes ahead, um, and uh, the precise line of the route could actually change And when you have a look at this uh, document, uh, which the government, of course, has prejudged and said is terribly generous, but um, I'm afraid for me the jury is going to be out for a long time until I've dug into the detail, it's only 60 feet um, either side uh, for the safeguarding area um, and 120 feet metres. Sorry, metres. Come on, Charlotte. It's 12. Come on. Sorry. I must go into metres. 60 metres either side and 120 metres, but... 120 metres is under 400 feet, and the flying eye in London is 443 feet high. Mm. So the outside distance from the proposed line, if and, and, and when it is fixed, is less than the height of the flying eye. Um, so you can see that not only is poor old Liz not knowing actually whether her house really does qualify, actually what she will get, because um, the valuation will be, have to be done from an approved list, I think, of valuers, etc. But uh, we have a situation whereby there are so many people that live just outside that, just under 400 foot, who are going to be affected. Who won't get any compensation, but will be living next door to a train track. And will have to wait. Um, there are going to be people that won't qualify for, for any form of compensation um, until at least one year after the line has been operational. Wow. Now, the government is planning on starting this, they say, um, in, in 2017, and it'll be finished sometime in the 2020s. Can you imagine, beyond Liz, it's bad enough for Liz and many of my constituents on the line, can you imagine what it's like for people a bit further out? Sure, is there any chance that the, possi- that the campaigners might still get this high-speed rail link stopped? Or is it, is it set in stone now? Well, I have to say that I think the government's will... Um, has um, uh, has really been uh, to to drive this through, but there's still a long, long way to go. I don't want to give false hope, but I'm certainly not giving up on being able to uh, show to the government that this is the wrong railway at the wrong time um, and, and in the wrong place, um, and to look at what alternatives might be available because. 
When you think about it, the government has said it wants to heal the north-south divide. It wants to kickstart the economy with a major infrastructure project. Um, it wants to contribute to a low green carbon future. Um, I think that there may be other alternatives, and certainly uh, working with colleagues and looking at some of the alternatives that could be carried out um, on, a, on a more timely basis using existing transport corridors. I think that there may be other options that the government has yet to consider. Liz, what are you going to do? Are you gonna, sorry. Liz, sorry, 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 Liz, are you, you going to fight it or have you kind of resigned yourself to this now? Well, we're pinning our hopes on this um, judicial review that um, is going to be held in December. And that is going to, a judge is going to decide whether the sums are wrong, whether it's, it's, it's a good idea or a bad idea. We have to leave it there out of time. Liz Bristow lives right in the path of the proposed uh, train route in South Heath at uh, Chesham and Amersham MP. Cheryl Gillen, thank you very much for coming on. 08459 455 555. Does it affect you? Are you worried about it? We'll take your calls after the travel news with Sophie. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Southbound on the Barnet Bypass, it's still looking fairly slow at the moment between Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass. The usual delays for this time in the morning, though. And the A405 North Orbital Road looking a little bit heavy, just around the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. Everything else at the moment not looking too bad. The uh, motorways are moving nicely, actually, on the whole. No problems there. But don't forget, on the trains, the replacement bus service running is, is uh, running sorry, on Greater Anglia services between Ware and Hartford East. That's following a signal problem along the line. There's more in 15 minutes. Thanks. Thank you very much indeed. Good morning, it's 6.45, Friday, October the 26th. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. The government will today announce tougher tests for prospective teachers in an effort to raise the standards of education. People living near to the proposed HS2 line through Buckinghamshire are unhappy with the compensation deal being offered by the government. In sport, former England and Watford goalkeeper David James has been given an MBE for services to football and charity. Weather today for beds, hearts and bucks chilly, but staying mainly dry with sunny spells and a top temperature of 9 degrees. Coming up today is the official opening of the new £26 million Inspire Luton Sports Village in Stopsley. Our reporter Justin Dealey is there in his shorts. We'll hear more from him before 7. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's been an amazing year for sport, with some of the biggest names collecting the world's greatest prizes. This is sensational riding here in the Olympic Games at London 2012. But every year, the BBC's Sports Personality of the Year recognises people who aren't stars, but have simply gone that extra mile. They've made their contribution for no reward, except the enjoyment of seeing sport flourish in their community. There are unsung heroes. Nominate yours now via our website at bbc.co.uk slash sportsunsunghero and help us round off a remarkable year of sport in 2012. A new song has been added to the Three Counties playlist this week, courtesy of our BBC Introducing Show, introducing supports, bands and musicians from across the Three Counties. Just like this one, Daniel and the Good Ones from Hertfordshire. This is their track called Be Swell. You can hear it all week on BBC Three Counties Radio. For sharing, always giving, and I will be alone tonight. Your lips tell me 
expecting much and I thought it was excellent. <laughs> if I'm honest, you, well, you never know, do you? But that was excellent, Daniel and the Good Ones. Be swell. Uh, thanks to BBC Introducing for letting us have that. That was a cracking song. I really enjoyed that. 08459 455 555. We're talking about teachers this morning. Teachers uh, are going to have face harder tests, tougher tests to become teachers. Um, we can talk about that, but it's kind of made me think, who are your good teachers and who are your bad ones? Well, there's some that there must be one that really inspired you and really caught your attention. We have one man alive, one of the science teachers. I won't be too specific. He was one of the science teachers. Oh God! And he was every time something bad happened or someone did something naughty, he he thought it was me. Remember, someone once left the lid off a chemical or something, and he came and he grabbed me by the scruff of my, he grabbed me by my shirt. You couldn't do it now. Got to prison now. And my name back in the day was Rugby. Rugby. What have you done? What have you done this for? What are you doing? I hadn't done nothing. I can say hand on heart, I hadn't done nothing. Anyway, tell us your good or bad teachers. 08459 455 555. Now, 
Today is the official opening of the new £26 million Inspire Luton Sports Village in Stopsley. The Duke of Kent's going to be there. Mmm, royalty. As will, this is slightly more impressive, I think, Paralympic legend Johnny Peacock. Fantastic. Well, someone equally as impressive as all of those gentlemen is there now. It's Justin Dealey. Oh, Ian. Justin, it sounds... Are you in the pool? Uh, I, I'm, yes, right next to the pool. I have my pink shorts on right now. Do you really? I do. We've got Sir Helen Barnett with us. Picture, from Justin, Lucy. picture, or it didn't happen. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Helen, can you just back up what I'm wearing this morning? Oh, I can tell you, yeah, pink shorts and black T-shirts. Yes, Ooh. maybe. There, there, there could be a potential dive bomb coming up very, very soon here. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. We'll Go talk on. about that very soon. Helen, we're inside the new facility. It's the official opening today. A very special day for you. £26 million well spent. Incredible, isn't it? Oh, it's superb. Absolutely fantastic facilities. Um, inspirational to all age groups. And in terms of the facilities here with the diving, not many people have a diving board like this one. Tell us more about that. No, there are very few in the country. So we've got um, the normal sort of one metre, three metre, five metre. We then go to seven and then finally the yeah. ten, yeah. which is the Tom Daly height. <laughs> I'm scared of heights. Are you scared of heights? <laughs> it's not yeah. too great when you're yeah. up there. If I'm going to be dive bombing this morning, it's not going to be from ten metres, I can tell you that much today. But, but not just about the diving facilities, unique experiences here for everyone because the obesity levels in Luton, they're not great, are they? So your message would be, come and use this and keep fit. The message is there's something for absolutely everybody. Um, we have lots of early years programmes for children, getting them into the right habits. Um, that goes through to junior programmes, right the way through. We have programmes for people with certain illnesses. Um, and then finally, lots of activity for the active retired people. Are you hoping in the future, especially when it comes to the diving, that you will produce future Olympic gold medalists from here in Luton? Absolutely. Um, I'm sure we will. Absolutely confident we will. Um, particularly with the numbers that we're getting here um, enjoying the facilities. And what a great year for you, coming off the back of the Olympics, opening a facility like this. You just couldn't have asked for any more, could you? No, it was perfect. Absolutely. came between the closing of the Olympics and opening of the Paralympics. So absolutely everybody ready to enjoy fabulous year of sport. And just one final question for you. Uh, this, of course, is the official opening today, but open to the public on the 20th of August. Um, why has it taken so long for the official opening? Well, we wanted things to settle down, but more importantly, we felt that people who were using this facility should be involved in the opening. And we wanted to involve lots of different age groups, lots of activities. To do that, we really needed the programmes to settle down a little. Excellent stuff. Now, Ian, when you was at school, you've been talking about your school days this yes. morning. I'm sure that you went swimming, didn't you, in uh, your school days? We did, yes, we did, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, bad memories, clearly. I have got very bad memories about it. We weren't yes. allowed to wear goggles. And I remember that the, no swimming, teacher, the swimming teacher grabbed uh, my mate Orlando's goggles and smashed them against the wall. Oh, our times have moved on. I know. It's incredible stuff. Well, uh, I used to be quite good at dive bombing. And... <laughs> Uh, God, that's just when you just jump in the pool. That's not a skill, Justin. <laughs> it is a skill. You can't, you can't win an Olympic medal in dive bombing. I'm sure that Helen would agree. In the future, we, we may see an Olympic medalist for dive bombing. What do you think? I think probably not. Is oh. it, uh, Justin, is there a sign on the wall saying no heavy petting, no running, and no dive bombing? Uh, no, it doesn't say anything about dive bombing. In that case, um, away you go. We, we are ready to do one, live <laughs> in this pool. <laughs> Helen, oh, are you God. ready to judge me out of ten for my dive bomb? Yeah. I'll do that. Okay, you oh, hold the dear. microphone, you talk to Ian. So, there you go. Thanks, okay. Ian. I'll talk to you soon. Morning, Helen. Good morning, Ian. Yeah, what's, what's he doing? Um, just stripping off, to be honest. Oh, God, I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. We couldn't find one of our decent reporters. We had to send him. It was all we had. We've really not treated it with the respect okay. it deserves. Is he, is he going for it? He's heading to the blocks. OK. He's not going to do the 10 metre, though, is he? No, 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 no. Just a normal starting block. Bottler. And he's ready, ready to go. And that was the sound. <laughs>
<laughs> you can. <laughs> I can hear the whistle. Is that is, is that one of the lifeguards telling him to get out? That was to say you're not allowed to do dive. No dive bombing, <laughs> I, uh, Helen. I'm I'm so sorry. If you listen, if you want to get the security to throw him out, then, then you 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 can do that. We, we we won't mind in the slightest. Enjoy the day, Helen. Thank you very much. And we, no doubt we'll we'll find out a little bit more about what's going on. Fantastic. There we go. Justin Dealey, dive bombing. That's it. That's, we've, we've had at least three Sony bronze moments this week, I think, and that's one of them. <laughs> Sony bronze, dear listeners. Justin Dealey, dive bombing into a swimming pool. Uh, we're talking as well this morning about um, passwords. What, what passwords uh, are the most popular um, when it comes to signing into your work computer, your email, your Facebook, your My- MySpace? Does anyone still do that? We've had it at five. It's QWERTY. Number four, ABC123. Number three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, that's, people use that as a password. Come on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. My, I kind of have, my password for a long time was monkey, which is number six in the list. Everyone, yeah, number six in the list, monkey. Uh, and then I thought, oh, everyone's going to be using monkey. So I've changed it. And I won't tell you what I've changed it to. But my favourite, as you, you listen to the show, my favourite pop group, of course, are the monkeys. In fact, I'm flying to Glasgow after the show to go and see one of them in concert. And there is an episode of the monkeys where they all use, they all kind of use fake names to go undercover. And my password for a lot of my things is one of the fake names they use. It's not giving away, you won't be able to work it out for it. It's one of the fake names. Another password I use is years and years ago, when I first got a computer in, where was it? I was living uh, in Bounds, I was living in Manor House with Mackenzie, sort of been about 2000. We got our first computer, maybe 1999, uh, and Yahoo, they gave me like a, a password, like a random password of, of two separate words and some numbers. And I still use that 13 years later. That's still a password to my emails. You're supposed to change it more than every 13 years, I think, aren't you? How did you come up with your password, dear listener? Let us know, and we'll speak to you after this. The Travel News with Sophie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Anti-clockwise on the M25, we're getting reports coming in that two lanes are currently blocked following an accident. A lorry involved at Junction 24 at Potter's Bar. We'll bring you more on this as and when it comes in. Now, the A1 at Barnet Bypass heading south at the moment is still slow between Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass. And on Greater Anglia Services, replacement bus service is still running on uh, services between Ware and Hartford East following a signal problem a little bit earlier. Now, everything else not actually looking too bad at the moment. It seems to be coping fairly nicely out there. The A405 at North Orbital Road now has returned to normal around the M25 Junction 21A roundabout and everything else really not looking too bad at all. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. Keep listening. I will reveal the top two passwords in the UK. Have you got them? Find out. After the news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's seven o'clock. The headlines, tougher tests for teachers, HS2 compensation scheme panned, and the Rolling Stones are back on the road. BBC Three Counties Radio. Tougher tests for would-be teachers are to be introduced in England. Candidates for teaching courses will have to pass the new exams in numeracy, literacy and reasoning before they're allowed to train. Speaking earlier to Ian Lee, the National Union of Teachers rep for Luton, Dave Mingay, was sceptical. It's a real mixed message from the government because at the same time they're saying to become a teacher you need to do a tougher test in order to 
an undergraduate or postgraduate route to become a teacher, they're saying they'll allow in their academies and free schools unqualified people to come and teach our children. People living near the planned high-speed rail route through Buckinghamshire say the government's allocating, uh, allocation of compensation is unfair. They say those living slightly further away from the line will be affected but are not being compensated. Agnes Fletcher from the HS2 Action Alliance campaign group says the house prices in the area are going to decrease. What we understand from estate agents is that, that people over quite a wide area are affected in, in that way. Some of them won't be able to sell at all and other people will have to take a big hit in terms of what they could have expected to get for their property before the train line was announced and again absolutely nothing to help them. Milton Keynes Council is urging more cyclists to make use of the redways, which cover nearly 200 miles, but there are calls for improvements. The council's planning to spend more than £4 million on the redways and paths so that more people use them, but cyclist Pippa Fenton says the redway map needs to change. I have tried to use the redways map and taken it out with me, thinking it's going to be a great help, and actually got completely lost. Actually, when I looked at the map and I wasn't used to, to cycling on the redways, I didn't have any reference points on the, on the map. It didn't actually relate to the roads. So I think actually the map, mapping system could be improved. As, as could signing. UK researchers have shown that the potentially fatal gut infection, Clostridium difficile, can be defeated by a cocktail of six rival good bacteria. The disease is caused by antibiotics destroying bacteria which normally compete with C. diff. The Rolling Stones have warmed up for their 50th anniversary concerts with their first live gig for five years in front of fans in Paris. 350 people paid just £12 each for the concert, which was announced on Twitter. These fans were delighted by hits from five decades, including Route 66 and Miss You. The gig was great. Uh, it was one hour, 12 songs. Uh, they closed with Brown Sugar, yes. Great moment of rock and roll. They had the enthusiasm and the thrill of uh, enjoying the audience reaction still after 50 years. They've got a long time in front of them. It was really amazing. I saw them for, for the first time in 1979. Worst concert I've ever seen. Tonight, amazing. They, I saw younger men tonight than I saw in 1979. In sport, former England and Watford goalkeeper David James has been awarded an MBE for services to football and charity. James has set up an agricultural foundation in Malawi to educate farmers on more efficient growing techniques and combat starvation. As for the weather, chilly but staying mainly dry with sunny spells and a top temperature of 9 degrees Celsius, that's 48 degrees Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Try as I might, I cannot get excited about the Rolling Stones. And I have tried. The, the Rolling Stones and Bob Dylan, every few years I think, well, maybe I've missed something here. Let me go back and check. And I have a little listen. And I listen to different periods. And I listen to the hits and I listen to some of the album tracks. No, neither of those artists do anything for me. There's one good Bob Dylan, two good Bob Dylan songs. Lay, Lady, Lay. And I think there's a song called Sign in a Window. The rest of it's awful. And the Rolling Stones, I mean, the, the Wild Horses and um, Angie. It's pretty, it's pretty much it, isn't it? The rest of it, utter tosh. 08459 455 555. Coming up in the next hour of the show, entry tests for teachers are to become more rigorous. Who were the best and worst teachers when you were younger? We've all got stories about teachers that inspired us and took us under their wing. And also about teachers that really shouldn't have been teachers. What were they doing working with kids? Milton Keynes Redways need big improvements, according to cyclists in the new city. I'll be finding out what the council's going to do about it. And the list of the most common computer passwords has been revealed. 
We'll reveal the top two before the end of the show. How did you choose your password? Is it your daughter and her, your mum's birthday? Is it your second favourite cat? How did you come up with it? You can get in touch on Twitter by tweeting at Ian Lee, I-A-I-N-L-E-E, or at BBC 3CR. You can go to the Facebook page. Go on Facebook. Find BBC 3CR and there's a picture of me in a nice jacket. Yeah, no, very smart. You can post stuff there. Or, and this is the best way to do it, you can give us a call. 08459 455 555. 08459 555. No, hang on, that's wrong. What's the number? I've said it I've said it so many times, I've become immune to it. Let me try again. Let me have a run up to it. <clears throat> Here we go. The phone number is. Here we go. <sighs> Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Thank you very much. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh dear. Oh dear. Thank goodness it's nearly the weekend. It means I can recharge. I've got an old brain. Very old brain. The last two nights as well, I've gone to bed very, very early. I think I've had too much sleep. And I love sleep. Sleeping is, if, if I could put on my CV, hobbies, sleep. I love it. I think it's, it's just such a great pastime. I think I've had too much sleep recently. That's no good at all. On to more serious matters. The government will announce tougher tests for prospective teachers today in an effort to raise standards in education. Current tests in maths and English will be made more difficult and trainee teachers will only be allowed to resits. The aim is to raise the quality of teaching in England. But what do you think makes a good teacher? We sent our reporter Sophie Solaria to St George's School in Harpenden to find out. I think a good teacher involves the whole class and everything that they do and they want the best education for you. So what's your favourite subject? Uh, at the moment it's probably art. How does your teacher engage you in, the, in, in your art classes? Uh, she comes around if you're struggling and she helps you and gives like one-to-one session with you. I look up to teachers who encourage you to speak your own opinion. That's one of the reasons why I like RE, because you're encouraged to like discover your own voice and your opinions. And I think that's key at school, to be able to discover like the world and your thoughts about things. English is what I enjoy most and my English teacher is one of the most passionate people I've I've ever met and he really brings that into the classroom and he, he brings that into you and I think that's why I enjoy it so much. Probably someone who's like approachable, they want they're really enthusiastic about what they do and they want everyone else to be just as enthusiastic and try and do well. I'm Norman Hall and I'm headmaster of St George's School in Harpenden. What do you think makes a good teacher, sir? Well, the first thing I would say is good subject knowledge and a commitment to uh, sharing that subject knowledge. But there's got, there have got to be personal qualities that come into play. First of all, you've got to like children, no matter what kind of children they are. And you've got to want to spend time with them um, because, you know, the school day is very intense and you've got to want to work with like-minded professionals uh, to share resources and to be part of a team. I'm going to put you on the spot here now. I'm going to ask you a question that will be found in the new exams that teachers have to do. It's going to be a maths question. How do you feel about that? Well, um, I deal with very large figures. Um, I deal with school budgets. Uh, I'll, I'll have a go. One afternoon, Maria drove directly from her house to her grandmother's house and was back home by four o'clock. She left home at three o'clock and spent 15 minutes with her grandmother. How far away is her grandmother's house if she can complete the trip driving at an average speed of 64 kilometres per hour? 
That is hard. I could not do it myself. Yeah. Hang on, hang on. I'm, I'm writing this down. Twenty-four, twenty-four <laughs> kilometres. That is correct, sir. Whoa. Now I know what my children feel like when they're having maths tests. Hang on a minute. What? That man's a human computer. How did he work? Oh. <laughs> I was listening to Sophie reading that out, and I'm thinking, right, I'll be able to do this. I'm good at this kind of stuff. And then, oh dear, he's a human computer. That was um, uh, Sophie Solaria there at St George's School in Harpenden. Earlier on on the show, I was joined in the studio by Dave Mingay. He's the National Union of Teachers representative for Luton. Everyone has to do an education because everyone's been to school. Um, and this is Michael Goes issue he's been to school and he had a very positive experience in school and now he wants to recreate his education experience for everyone well it doesn't doesn't work for everyone and having control of the class as you said deep subject knowledge that's one thing but actually these tests wouldn't address that what we need is proper professional development for teachers so ongoing in-service training to ensure your subject knowledge is up to date to ensure your your skills as a teacher are up to date and as best as they can be uh, that was uh, Dave Mingate, National Union of Teachers, uh, representative for Luton. We can talk now to Graham Lawler. He's a maths teacher and author of Understanding Mathematics, Basic Mathematics Explained. Morning, Graham. Good morning, you. That's a, that's a, 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 a mouthful of a title of a book. Does it get many people excited when they see it in the bookshelves? <laughs> well, if you're old enough to remember Arthur C. Clarke, yes. he wrote the foreword for me. Did he really? Yes, and I was so proud that he was uh, so positive and so um, uh, keen on getting the book out. And uh, he was, it was towards the end of his life. And yeah. at the time, he was actually sleeping 20 out of 24 hours. Wow. And his people said, Sir Arthur thinks this is incredibly important and he wants to support you and help you with the book. Oh, how I, then I take back, my, t- my tongue is removed from my <laughs> cheek, sir. I apologise. I'm so proud of that. <laughs> of course you are. Yeah. You, listen, on this serious subject, do you think that tough English and maths tests for teachers are a good idea. Well, it's a bit like the curate's egg. You know, it's good in parts because, I mean, yeah, we, we want people who are literate and numerate. I can tell you, over in Wales now, they have made a huge change. Um, Every teacher in Wales is being told you are a teacher of literacy and numeracy. And the first thing that they have to do is when they're planning their lessons. So say you're a history teacher, the first thing you do is plan your literacy and numeracy and then your history. And that is a new move that they are putting in in order to push their standards up. Uh, One of the things we've got to be clear on here is in Beds, Bucks and Hearts, we have good schools. I don't want anybody going away thinking, oh, my kid's going to a rubbish school, because we do have very good schools. And we have teachers that we can be very, very proud of. And, you know, I'm I'm not one for knocking teachers. I think Dave uh, um, made a very good point earlier. I was listening um, yeah, it is mixed messages. We do need standards racing. We do need more numerate people. We do need more literate people. But the government in England are also saying, well, you can have unqualified teachers in preschools and academies, so you can't have it both ways. That's a huge contradiction, isn't it? Saying, yeah. yes, we're going we're gonna to make it tougher to become a teacher, but if you go and teach in an academy, you don't need to be a teacher. You can have just, yeah. you know, done something else for a few years. Yeah, I mean, my dad was a local butcher, and he could have gone in there and, and taught... Um, say, food preparation, because he was a local butcher. Now, you know, there is a real mixed message here, and one of the things that politicians do is they use education for their own political means. And a lot of people are actually saying Mr Gove is actually positioning himself as a future leader of the Tory party and a future prime minister, and he's trying to look tough for the right wing. And there's a certain element of this that is that sort of political posturing. 
Now listen, it, it, Graham, it's, it, it's a long time since I've been to school. I'm hoping things have changed. But I remember at school I had some amazing teachers. I mean, my English teacher, I keep citing her, Mrs Routledge, was, was inspirational. She was dedicated. She kind of really... F- she, wonderful. I also had some stinkers who, who, sh- who, A, shouldn't have been working with kids because they didn't know how to interact with young people. Yeah. And B, didn't seem to really know that much about their subject. There are... We do need to get the best teachers we can get, don't we? We do. Uh, we do. And, uh, you know, this, this is a positive move towards that in one sense. But in the other sense, it's going to put people off. And, you know, as a mathematician, I can tell you now, you can't get mathematics teachers. You cannot get physics, physics teachers. Um, language teachers struggling to get. I know of a school up in the Northwest where they, they're struggling for money, like all schools in England. But in order to keep an English teacher, and she is a superb English teacher, they've had to pay her a bonus of a thousand pounds a month to keep her golden handcuffs it's called i'm speechless can, yeah. can i get some golden handcuffs here is that, <laughs> is that, is that possible what, what, what do we do to, to, to encourage more teachers in these these subjects that seem to be lacking teachers well we need to make the conditions of service better um it, it's not all about money money is important but we need to actually frankly we need to respect our teachers a lot more um you know people say well teachers don't create wealth actually they do they create wealth in the long term because we don't have the educated people coming through our schools if we don't have the people literate and knowledgeable and i i'm thinking more than just the academics we need technicians you know you can't you try getting a plumber in our area you try getting an uh, electrician you know i phoned up an electrician not so long ago and said well yeah, give me a call in about three months i said come on i need you today you know it's not happening listen i i, <laughs> I wish i'd found I, i'm googling maths problems because i want to throw a stinker at you but i can't oh. th- no i can't you, you've got off lightly mr I'll, I'll throw one at you okay, okay go on there go i'll on. throw one at oh, you okay do you, do you live in a house or a bungalow i live in a house right if you go upstairs tonight yes and you put your left foot on the first step yeah do you put your left foot on the top step or your right foot and why you're blowing my mind. How do you, well, Andy, are you saying that there's a standard? I'm, I, I'm saying that there, that is a standard. I am putting. I am. Hang on. A minute, so I'm putting my foot on the first left foot on the first stair. One, two. I put my right foot down because you always have an even number of stairs. Do you? Or is it an odd number of stairs? <laughs> Oh, Mr Lawler, for goodness <laughs> sakes, you've taken me back to being 15 and feeling inadequate again. Thank you very much indeed. Oh, I have to experiment tonight when I get home. Someone, no, I'm not, no, I won't have to experiment tonight when I get home. Right, someone listening to this who's got a, got a, a phone that you can move around, what do you call it? Pocket teller. Portable phones. Phones. Mobile phones. That's it, isn't it? Can you go and stand at the foot of your stairs and then give us a call, please? You can do it for me. You can do the homework. 08459 455 555. I need you to phone me up at the foot of your stairs. Can you do that? You'll jump straight to the front of the queue. 08459 455 555. Thank you very much, Mr Lawler. Why oh, I calling you Mr Lawler? <laughs> you see, I've become 15. Travel news now. Here's Sophie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Anti-clockwise on the M25, it's still queuing following the earlier accident. A lorry involved between Junction 24 at Potter's Bar with congestion back to 27 at the M11. Also beginning to get slow actually quite a bit earlier than normal between 17 at Maple Cross and 16 at the M40. We're heading south on the Barnet Bypass, the Stirling Corner and Watford Bypass uh, junctions are still looking very busy at the moment. And a replacement bus service is running on Greater Anglia between Ware and Hartford East following a signal problem a little bit earlier on. Everything else not really looking 
bit too bad at all. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, Sophie, I was hoping you were going to be a little bit longer there. My computer's crashed. Hang on one second. Hang on. Can you think of any other roads or buses you need to talk about? Um, I can tell you that everything is looking good (laughs) elsewhere. Um, No major problems to flag up for you right now. Good feeling. Um, Good feeling, Sophie. I've got it back. Thanks very much. There we go. Excellent filling from Surfer Tires. Oh, what happened to my computer there? I say it crashed. I clicked the button that closed the window. It was my fault. Morning, it's 7.16. It is Friday the 26th of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Candidates for teaching courses will have to pass new exams in numeracy, literacy and reasoning before they're allowed to train. People living near the planned high-speed rail route through Buckinghamshire say the way the government's allocating compensation is unfair. In the Europa League last night, Liverpool beat Russia side Anzi 1-0 at Anfield. Newcastle won 1-0 at home to Club Bruges and Tottenham drew one all away to NK Maribo. There'll be a full weather button shortly with Steve and coming up before 7.30 we'll hear more from the official opening of the new £26 million Luton Sports Village in Stopsley. And also, someone will be walking up the stairs for us. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday afternoon from three, Roberto Peroni. And it's fair to say you have quite a thing for Miley Cyrus. Yeah, you could say that. How many tattoos do you have? At the last count, it was 17. What happens, Carl, if your passion for, for Miley Cyrus ends? I hope not. <laughs> Roberto Peroni. The people who are around, for example, know, your mum or your wife, your partner, and you say, I'm going to go on another jump from the edge of space or as high as I can possibly get, they must think, oh no, here he goes again. Well, I've got to be honest, I hope my dad's not listening because he still doesn't know that I jump. Your dad does know you're director of the National Space Centre. He knows that. Let's hope he doesn't make the link and stuff. I can go about my skydiving life. Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Okay, so we just spoke to uh, Graham Lawler, who is uh, a maths, a mathematician. I guess we used to call them in the olden days. He's a maths teacher. He said us the problem. If you if you are walking up the stairs and you start with your left foot on stair one, what foot do you end with? Well, I asked you to call in, and you called in in your droves. We've chosen Wendy in Aylesbury. Morning, Wendy. Hello. Thank, hello. Uh, uh, are you very good at maths? Not really, no. Are you very good at walking upstairs? I hope so. There we go. Well, that's all we need for this. So, are you at the foot of your stairs now? I am now, yeah. Okay. So, did you know the answer to this off the top of your head? If you start with your left foot on step one, what foot do you end up with? I think it'd be my right foot. I think it'll be the right foot, because I would imagine it's an even number. Because I would have thought you couldn't have had... You wouldn't have had 13 stairs in a house because of, like, that superstition and stuff like that. I reckon it's going to be 12 stairs, OK? Mm-hmm. Wendy, so put your left foot on step number one, please. OK. And I want you to walk up the stairs, and to uh, include us in this, could you count those stairs, please? Right. Here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Thirteen stairs I have. Thirteen stairs? And I'm still on my left foot. So your left foot is at the top of your stairs, you've got thirteen stairs. Top stair, but not on the landing. Oh, hang on a minute. So you're not on the land... Now, I would have thought the landing was a stair. Okay, so that'd be my right foot. And that makes fourteen. Mm-hmm. Would, is that... Oh, now I'm confused. Is, is the land... The landing's a stair, isn't it? The landing has to be a stair. It must be. All right. Uh, th- Wendy, listen, thank you very much. It's inconclusive, Wendy. We, 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 I didn't know this would be so controversial. I hated maths at school. This isn't even maths. This is just stairs. We didn't, they didn't teach stairs when I was a kid. Thank you, Wendy. I don't want to throw doubt onto Wendy's figures, but we need someone else to do it. <laughs> I think... I think we do. OK. We've had Wendy in Aylesbury. 
can we get someone else? You, if you're listening now, I need you. I know, I know you've got to take the kids to school. Forget it. This is more important. Okay? Can you give us a call? Phone and some stairs. That's all we need. 08459 455 555. We will stop everything to solve this ridiculous problem. Weather now. Here's Steve. Beds, hearts and bugs weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, fairly chilly day coming up. Seven only, seven Celsius, 45 Fahrenheit for Milton Keynes and Bedford. Eight or perhaps a nine uh, inside the M25, nine Celsius, 48 Fahrenheit. And that will be the very best top temperature we're likely to get today. Uh, there's still a little bit of perhaps a few spots of rain across the, the south of Hertfordshire and Buckinghamshire. That'll clear away to leave a mainly dry day with sunny spells and patchy clouds. Cold and clear overnight. Temperatures down to zero uh, Celsius, perhaps a minus one, 30 Fahrenheit through the Chilterns and the Downs so it's a widespread air and ground frost tonight with the winds a moderate then light northerly. Saturday a cold and frosty start but staying dry with plenty of sunshine. Sunday clouding up again with patchy rain or drizzle with Monday again cloudy with a chance of some showery rain with Tuesday a cold foggy start. Plenty of frost on Tuesday morning again but a dry day with some sunshine showing through later on. There's your forecast from me Steve Weston. Thank you Steve. Stairs and a telephone. If you've got those two things, oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. This is doing my. I, I was hoping Friday's show would be like a nice, light-hearted romp, and instead my mind is actually melting. Uh, if you if you're a fan of the weather, and I know that we, this is true. We have people that t- turn on at seven twenty for the weather, turn off at seven twenty two. Good for you. As long as they've got diaries and they're ticking them, I don't care. Uh, the weather's moving. Uh, from next week, it's going to be it's going to be on the quarter two. So it'll be six forty five, seven forty five. 8.45, it's, it's moving. It's going to confuse all of us. Don't worry. Me in particular. But we'll get there. Now, today is a very big day for Luton. It's the official opening of the new £26 million Luton Sports Village in Stopsley. The Duke of Kent's going to be there. As will Paralympic legend Johnny Ke- uh, Peacock. But even more exciting than that... It's Justin Dealey, the uh, the dive bomber. Justin, yes. have you you actually dive bombed in earlier on? Absolutely. Have yeah. you have you dried off now? I have dried off. I went into the changing rooms. I took my towel with me. I dried myself. I'm now looking immaculate oh, here. Can I just say, you, why are you making it sound like a letter to readers' wives or something? Well, it's, this I was took, a big moment. I went to the changing room. I dried myself <laughs> off with a towel, and then I saw her. No, I don't. I don't want to know any of that. For oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. What, what's happening now? Well, this facility is absolutely incredible. Twenty six million pounds this has cost, all paid for by Lucenborough Council. Um, facilities which are just world class. Uh, with me now is Paul Woodbridge. He's the head coach of Team Luton Swimming. Sorry, Pete, I do apologise. Pete, welcome to the programme. It's all been a bit crazy in the last half an hour, me doing my dive bomb, but um, the facilities here, um, you've come from the Wardown Swimming Club, you as the head coach. Can you even compare the two? Not really, not much of a comparison. It's a fantastic new facility we've got here. Uh, obviously, 50 metre training is really important to our athletes. Uh, it gives them uh, much better aerobic fitness, being able to train 50 metre as opposed to 33. Um, but most importantly, being able to practice racing at 50 metres. So, a 50 metre pool now, what was the old pool? The old pool was 33 and a third metres. Yeah. I mean, you must be pinching yourself, because even when you drive past, you think, wow, what's that? Uh, th- these are incredible facilities. You as a head coach, you, you just must be in dreamland here. Absolutely. Uh, we do keep looking out the window and saying, that's Luton out there. Yeah. Uh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's fantastic that they've actually gone and built it. It's really- well, I suppose the worry is, when you've spent £26 million, and that's public money, that, that people don't use this facility, but clearly that's not the case. Your phone's been ringing off the hook. Absolutely. Uh, our trials uh, have gone through the roof, uh, literally, in the last two months. 
since since this facility opened um, and we've probably taken on somewhere in the region of two-thirds of the swimmers that have come through for trials and I don't want to put too much pressure on you and of course you, you feel a bit hesitant about giving names here but but now you've got these facilities are you confident in years to come we can say that person they trained at Luton and they've gone on to be an Olympic gold medalist I think that's almost certainly going to happen over the next few years. Really? You're, you're that confident? Absolutely. With a facility like this, it happens from other facilities around the country. That's where the best swimmers come from when they have the best facilities to train in. We'll come back to you in just a second. Now going to bring Abby G into the conversation. I like this name. Abby G, welcome to the show. Abby G, this yes, is um, having flashbacks. It's yes, good, go isn't it? Yeah. Um, Abby, you're 15 years old. You come here three times a week and you're here at 5.30 in the morning. Teenagers don't get up early. What's it like getting up at 5.30 three times a week? No, I don't really ever get a lie-in because we train on the weekends as well. Mm. On sa Sunday morning we train early and then every other weekend on Saturday. And tell us about your new home. You, you must thoroughly enjoy it, surely. Yeah, we all love it because it means that we know how to tr uh, race in a 50-metre pool because we train in a 50-metre pool. And when you go to like number one level meets and all that, like nationals, you know how to pace yourself. And your name, Abby G, is that a name to look out for? Um, look out for in the future. You're going to be a future Olympic star. Hopefully. Yeah, that's a yes, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. And um, a final word here with Pete. We've heard there from Abby. We've heard there from somebody earlier on from Active Luton who are running this on behalf of Luton Borough Council. Your message would be: don't just sit there. Come and use this. Absolutely, come and use it. I for swimming and for many other things as well it's a it's a fantastic facility for the health of the community as well i did a dive bomb earlier on at about 10 to 7 you saw that um your impressions of my dive bomb it needs a little work but it's getting there <laughs> okay and with the duke of kent arriving later on what about him doing a dive bomb um we'll have to see how that yeah, one goes yeah. <laughs> you might struggle convincing him, i think i think we might do yeah. it's absolutely wonderful the official opening today thank you so much thank you brilliant stuff there you go we spoke to pete woodbridge there who's the head coach of team loose and swimming and abby g who's 15 years old here live at the inspire facility which is in loose it's the loose sports village in stopsley it's been open for a couple of months now but today is the official opening and ian seriously you've got to come down I'm and coming. see this it is absolutely out of this world and as our guest said there it's hard to believe that we've got a facility like this in Luton. It's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, just a couple of things. Mm. Uh, a slight tangent here. We're talking passwords this morning. I don't want to know your computer password. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, I do. <laughs> You're on fire this morning. Yeah. Uh, how did you come up with your password? Is there? Is it? Is it relevant to something? Um, is it relevant to something? Well, oh. it's, it's, it's very relevant to something. Yeah. And it's actually very simple. So if I gave you any sort of clue, you, you'd get it. Is it something to do with your missus? Uh, no, no. no. It's, it's all about me. Something to do with me. Oh, is it, uh, is it football team? Uh, no. Okay. All right. Well, that's questions. Thank you. Uh, all right. <laughs> we're getting close. Uh, uh, Justin, uh, some people will be surprised to hear that not only are you the sixth best uh, reporter I have on this breakfast yes, show, yes. but also you do your own show at the weekends. Yes, I do. What's happening this weekend, please? Uh, well, tomorrow between nine and twelve. You see, after all of this madness this morning with dive bombing, we, we try and produce a well-researched, <laughs> slick music <laughs> programme. So tomorrow between nine and twelve, we're looking at the UK and American charts from this weekend in 1967 and also Paul Harcastle he's yes. going to be on the show no, 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 19 yeah. uh, picking his favourite musical memories Charlie Pride is also going to wow. be on the show the country star yeah. and we're talking about the California Ballroom as well more to come on that on your show before 9 excellent stuff Justin I listened last week it was a cracking show very quickly oh, forget everything else we're talking about the main issue of the day has been if you walk upstairs in your house and you put your left foot on the first step what foot do you end up on? We, we had a caller earlier on, but we, we need more science. We've got Dave in Luton. Morning, Dave. Good morning, Ian. We've also got Paul in Milton Keynes. Good morning, Paul. 
Paul, Paul, you used to lay carpets. Yeah. So do you know the answer to this already? Well, the way you, uh, say, for example, if you're estimating for a carpet... Yes. You start at the bottom, that's your first step. Yeah. And then you count them up. The landing step doesn't count as a stair. Whoa, this is controversial. But hang on, are you saying the floor on the ground floor counts as a stair, or the first step? The first step. Right. And the landing doesn't count as a stair? No. But you have to step up to it. When you're estimating the carpet, that comes off the landing. Right. And you start start, uh, the carpet for your stairs... On the first step. Dave, does that, oh, Dave, does that sound sensible or, or nonsense to you? Nonsense. Right, right, listen, Dave in Luton... No, it's not. No, that's oh, right. God. Right, fellas, calm down. Dave in Luton, Paul and Milton Keynes, stay there. We're going to do the news. I daren't be late for, for the news just because we're messing around on says We'll do the news and then we'll come back. You two can argue off air for a few minutes. Oh, dear. Travel news, Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Anti-clockwise on the M25, it's still queuing following the earlier accident involving a lorry at Junction 24 at Potter's Bar. Congestion is back to 27 at the M11. And also still slow between 17 at Maple Cross and 16 at the M40. While heading south on the Barnet Bypass between Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass, it is still looking particularly tricky. Uh, everything else actually on the road is not looking too bad right now. Seems to be coping fairly well out there. But don't forget, a replacement bus service is running on Greater Anglia between Ware and Hartford East. That was following a signal problem a little bit earlier. Safety Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. But the landing has to be a stair, doesn't it? But Paul's a carpet layer and he says, we'll find out. We're going to have a stair off after the news with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 7.30. Candidates for teaching courses will have to pass new exams in numeracy, literacy and reasoning before they're even allowed to train. People living near the planned high-speed rail route through Buckinghamshire say the way the government's allocating compensation is unfair. And Milton Keynes Council is urging more cyclists to make use of the redways, which cover nearly 200 miles, but the cyclists say they can't until they're improved. Heads, hearts and bucks, sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Watford are at managerless Blackburn in the Championship tomorrow with Daniel P- without Daniel Pudil and Nathaniel Chaloba after their midweek red cards. In League One, second place Stevenage hosts Swindon and MK Dons travel to Scunthorpe. Dons manager Carl Robinson hopes loan signing from QPR Angelo Balanta makes a significant impact. I thought Angelo was excellent because Angelo Balanta played on Sunday 90 minutes to put the level of performance he did for 60 minutes was tremendous. So I'm looking forward to seeing him on Friday. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him really taking off on Saturday because he is a boy that's different. He is a talent. In League Two, Wickham have a local derby at home to Oxford with Wanderers caretaker boss Gareth Ainsworth hoping to be able to recall several injured players. We'll assess them all for Saturday and uh, and hopefully we'll, we can have a full full squad for uh, for the Oxford game. It'll be a good game. We'll be a big crowd down here and, uh, and I think it'll be two teams going at each other. And in the conference, Luton travel to fellow promotion contenders Forest Green. Liverpool are top of Group A in the Europa League after they beat the big-spending Russian side Anzi 1-0 last night. Tottenham were held to a one-all draw away to NK Maribor in the year and are now third in Group J. Here's Spurs defender Jan Vertonghen. We came here for a win, so it's uh, it's frustrating. Yeah, we uh, we hope to play better, but and we have two good home games to come, so uh, we're still very confident to make it to the next round. And uh, I think if we win these two home games, we're in pole position to make it to the next and Newcastle beat Club Bruges 1-0 to extend their lead to three points at the top of Group D. Here's the reaction from Magpies manager Alan Pardew. Thank goodness we got three points tonight because, you know, whatever we take from there will be a massive bonus. They've got two or three very good players. They've got good...
And he seems to have faded out, but I'm sure he was delighted and expecting to win again and all that stuff. Anyway, more from me in half an hour. The BBC in beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up in the next half hour of the show. You'll just have to keep listening to find out because this is this is the, the, the debate of the day that has thrown everybody. And this is all thanks to we had Graham Lawler on the line who is a maths teacher and he, he set us a puzzle. If you start climbing up a set of stairs in your house and you put your left foot on the first step, what step do you end up with? We've got David and Luton. Good morning, David. Good morning. We've got Paul in Milton Keynes who used to lay carpets. And Paul, you make the controversial claim that the landing doesn't count as a stair. No, it's a riser. Oh, it's a riser. <laughs> I used to be on the telly. Right, OK. So, Dave uh, and Paul, I want you to put your left foot on the bottom step, both of you. Right. OK. Oh. And I want you to start walking up your stairs, counting right. out loud. Right. Well done. Oh, hang on a minute. Dave. Hang on, Dave. Paul's not ready. Hang on. Are you ready? You never told me that. What, what, what did you think we were doing? Well, right. Uh, right is, let's put on. Are you ready? Yeah. David, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Away you go, gentlemen. Count out nice and loud. One, One two, two, three, four, three, five, six, four, seven, five, eight, nine, six, ten, eleven, seven, twelve. Seven. But I'm counting only my left foot. That is who's fourteen. Ca- who's that counting the left foot, Paul? Dave. No, I'm, well, yeah, I'm, ca- I'm counting all the stairs. Dave, are you only counting your left foot? Yeah. What, but that's why seven, would you? That's why foot. would you do that? Where, 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 where did I say? Right, Dave. Oh, oh God. Dave and Paul will be. I've got guests in the studio. We'll be with you in a second. Dave and Paul, go back downstairs again, quick. <laughs> right, go on in. And Paul, is there any chance you could do it a little bit faster? Right. One, okay. two, no, three, don't, stop, four. stop. Right, you've, oh. got to start, you've got to start at the same time, please. <laughs> right, David, are you ready? Left foot on the first step. Yeah. Paul, left foot on the first step. Right. Go. One, two, two three, four, three, four, five, five six, seven, eight, 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 it, uh, but hang on, one of you only had 12 and one of you had 13. Yeah, Earlier on, the, the Wendy gave us 14. But hang on, I'll carry the top, which Paul said you mustn't. OK, right, we, we, we really have to move on. Dave and Paul have gone. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Paul. Can we get someone else to call in and do it, please? Because we're just getting completely different information here. Completely different information. 08459 455 555. I can only apologise to our guests who are in the studio who've come in for, for something quite serious and quite sensible and, and I'm showing you complete lack of respect by having two blokes climbing upstairs and arguing about whether... the t- Would you count the top step as a step? The landing step? No. Well, okay, controversial. Uh, listen, let me explain what's going on here. More than 100 young people today will be grilling the leaders of Milton Keynes this afternoon about improvements for teenagers. Both the local MPs, the council's chief executive and a superintendent from Thames Valley Police will take part in the big Milton Keynes youth debate. It's being hosted by Elizabeth Beale, the youth MP for Milton Keynes, who's here in the studio now, who doesn't think that the landing is actually a step, uh, along with Dan Morrison, the deputy youth MP. Good morning to both of you. Good, Good morning. morning. So, sorry to involve you in this nonsense. Uh, we're here for something uh, quite serious. Uh, Elizabeth, what are your main concerns about Milton Keynes? Um, well, from lots of different work we've done in consultation with young people, I think... There's lots of issues that just keep coming up. Um, buses come up over and over again. What's the problem with buses? The access and then being on time, disabled access. Um, the fees don't really seem to be an issue anymore because we now have all-in-one cards in Milton Keynes, um, which reduces your fee to 35p. So fees wow. aren't something that keeps coming up. Yep. Now it's just 
making sure they're on time, clean and usable, really. A bit dirty, are they? Yeah, and drivers, sometimes we hear, not don't treat young people with equal respect. I love buses. I'm a big fan of the buses, and it's my mode of transport of choice. But I have a problem with a lot of bus drivers. They can be really a bit rude. That's what we hear, too. A little bit rude. Uh, Dan, is there anything in particular that that you, you think is important that young people will be bothered about? Um, yeah, I think, especially for us, when it comes to sort of the political education side of things, um, people might not always know, like, for example, I had somebody in my form, I'm not going to mention their name, um, who didn't know who the Prime Minister was. Whoa, asked, whoa, 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 hang on a second. How old are you? I'm 17. There was a 17-year-old... Who didn't know. I'm, I'm guessing it's a boy. No, it's a girl. Really? Yeah. I always expect girls to be a little bit more savvy. They didn't <laughs> know who the Prime Minister was. No, no, it's just going to kill me for saying this. <laughs> no, good, good. I'm, I, I won't ask you to name a chamber, but I'm almost <laughs> tempted that we, we put our name on Twitter and expose her as I being know, a fool. I know, I know. Everybody should know. How is um, that possible? Well, exactly. So it's things like that, just sort of uh, raising your basic awareness wow. of, um, you know, politics and what affects you uh, as a young person, definitely. But a lot of young people, and I, I know you may find this hard to believe, I was a young person once. I was 17 once. Back in the day. <laughs> back in the day, back in a long, long time ago. Uh, but a lot of people, they, they kind of think, well, why should I be bothered in politics? Even people my age, why should I be bothered with politics? It's a bit boring, it doesn't change anything. Why, Elizabeth, why should they be? Why should young people be interested in politics? That attitude just annoys me so much. It's just the world around us is so politics orientated and I think if we can ever justify giving younger people the vote and even raising the percentage that vote at the moment political education is just so important Elizabeth you're 16 yeah uh, there's talk about lowering the age of voting in Scotland for the uh, independence vote to, to include 16 year olds do you think that that's a, a step forward and maybe something we should be looking at here I, I think so I think it, I think re- uh, lowering the voting age to 16 is really important I think that probably the main hang on a minute 17 year olds don't know who the prime minister no, is that's because they haven't had a good quality of political education right. so it works both ways but i think the main ar- argument is how there will still be some young people who will nearly be 23 and mm. still not have been able to vote so that seems not fair to it me it does seem odd i mean i don't know, quite know how i feel about 16 year olds voting but it does seem uh, 16 you can join the army you can go off and kill someone but you're, you're not allowed to have a say in who sends you off to do yeah. that killing it seems an odd thing uh, dan is it going to be uh, feisty this afternoon um, it certainly could be, yes, definitely. Um, we've got people coming from the schools who are certainly up for a good old debate. Um, and, you know, Arriva, the bus companies, etc. Um, yep. We can really sort of question them on the issues that affect us. Um, so, that you know, that manky bus or whatever, um, if you really want to sort of ask the representative yeah, about yeah. it. Um, it's a great of, opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Um, and for the young person to actually not just sort of phone a number and complain about it, but actually see somebody face-to-face is often really important to get something done about it. How, Dan, well, listen, I, during this job, I have to ask people uh, uh, uncomfortable questions from time to time. Okay. <laughs> and I've been doing it for a while, and it's still makes me nervous and sometimes you know it sometimes i kind of blanch and, and back down a little bit how are you going to overcome that because it's difficult to look someone in the eye yeah. and ask them a tough question about that manky bus or whatever it may be how are you preparing for that um me personally yeah um i think you just got to have the confidence to go for it um if to go at it and basically if you have an issue that really affects you which it does for a lot of the young people to really get your point across is really really important and if you can you can complain all day unless you actually go out and really be proactive and really try and do something that you, if you want change you can always bring about it it's always important superintendent's going to be there elizabeth yep top cop 
Yeah, we're, we're very excited at the panellists we've got. And um, as, a, as deputy, Dan will also be on our second panel, so he's probably a bit nervous about that right now as well. Oh, hang on a second, so. deputy Dan, I've just worked that out, that's good. Deputy Dan, yeah, I've never thought of that. That's <laughs> that's, 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 this is, <laughs> no, you, need to get, you need to get a little badge, I know, a little I know. badge. Never mind my second name, just deputy Dan. <laughs> that's fantastic. Everyone needs a gimmick in politics, <laughs> and I think we found you. So, so just, d- d- Elizabeth, just who, who have you got on the panel? Who is going to be there to um, face this grilling? We have, first panel is topical, so people from different youth organisations like Brit, Arriva Connections, um, Chairman of the MK Dons, Pete Winkleman, mm-hmm. um, and the Director of the Sport and Education Trust, which is John Cove. And then there's a second panel, which is our political panel. So both of our MPs in Milton Keynes. Um, and leaders from the other local parties, as well as um, Dan. Are there not people at your school who look at you both and go, oh, for goodness sakes, come, just just come, forget that, come round, let's go and get a bottle of hooch, let's play Xbox, forget your boring politics. There's, I think there's always going to be people like that, isn't there? But I hope that with your in, with our enthusiasm and showing that we really can, it's, we've set up this event, we've done it, we okay. really can make a difference, and hopefully that will turn lots of people around. You bought in a, a massive cake as well, what's this for? Well, someone's made it, I'm not quite sure who, um, for our event, so we'll, we'll cut it in front of everyone, it'll be like a big moment, and then everyone can have a bit of cake. You don't know who's made it? I'm not quite can I, sure. Can I give you a serious cake maker? <laughs> yeah, I will give you a word of advice. Don't eat cake that, when you don't know where no, it's from. No, I know it's safe, I can check where it's made in a bit. Okay, sure. right, yeah, just check, just, just let someone else eat it first, because okay. you never know what that's been spiked with. <laughs> uh, you, you, you never know. Uh, how many people are going to be there today? There will be around 100 young people, and um, we're also having an info fair, so there is lots and lots and lots of guests there today, so it could be anywhere up to 50 guests, important people. It's, ex- it's very exciting, Dan. This is a, this is a great opportunity. I'm, I'm guessing you, you look like a politician. <laughs> uh, is this something that you want to pursue? Is this a, the, the career that you want to head into? Um, for me, it's more about uh, like my age, um, a chance to sort of really put out the views of like my school, um, and obviously taking that further for like Milton Keynes as a general. Um, but personally... No, I couldn't. I couldn't do the whole election campaign and all of that sort of stuff and the scandals. And <laughs> you don't. You don't have to do the scandals. That's I'm the not, thing. You I'm don't not have setting to. myself up for the scandals, right. of course. But um, yeah, no, I could. I could do without that. No, I like just a sort of just an easy career. Yeah, uh, Elizabeth, politics is something that you're, you're into. I hope so. You want to go for yeah. it? Okay. Well, listen. Have a fantastic day. It sounds like it's going to be really exciting. No doubt, we'll, we'll find out more about what happened. I have to go back and talk about men climbing upstairs. I'm really sorry. I, I hope you don't mind. Thank you very much for coming Thank in. You. That's, that's, uh, Elizabeth Beale, the youth MP for Milton Keynes, and Dan Morrison, the deputy youth MP. Thank you very much for coming in. Right, back to the issue of the day. Um, Richard from Bedford. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. We've been set this ridiculous maths problem by um, a former maths teacher that if you put your left foot on uh, the, the, the bottom step and then you climb up, what foot do you end up with? Now, you used to make stairs, didn't you? I spent 54 years involved in making stairs at various times. Does the, the, does the landing count as one of the stairs? No, it doesn't. <sighs> no. And on average, you, it varies because it's the rise and the going and the well where you put the stairs. So on average in a normal house, you finish up with 12. Right, but, but it, it's not always the case. No, I mean, it's a, as I say, it's a matter of how up width of the tread and how high you go with the riser. And some people like them uh, uh, softer, and it depends on the dimensions of the well, whether you've got to get a short stair going steeper, which means to say the tread is shorter and the riser is taller. So it's usually an eight-foot ceiling, and on average, uh, it's 12 steps. 
Have you got any stairs there now, Richard? Yes, they're 12. Could you could you walk up them for us and count them? I've already done that. Okay, well, listen... I've done that too many times. We, I've Richard, lived here for 43 years. Richard, we, we are the BBC. We cannot, as you've probably seen with recent inquiries, we cannot just take someone's word for it. We oh, have you to want have... me to do all that, do you? I want you to do all that, yes, please. <laughs> could you? Are you at the bottom of the stairs? No, I'm not. No, I'm still in bed, mate. <laughs> You're, are you calling us from your bed? I am indeed. Richard. I'm now walking downstairs. <laughs> All right, well, listen, we will take your word for it, but I'm going to have to put out for another caller. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. There we go. Listen, well, you, you, you've seen what's happening to the BBC at the moment. Hearsay and uh, who said this? We need hard facts. If I've learnt nothing from the Jimmy Savile scandal, I've learnt that we need hard facts. So, Richard claims to be a, a, a stair maker. He claims that the, the, the landing does not count as a stair. He claims there are usually 12 stairs. I need hard facts, I need evidence. If you are uh, near some stairs, 08459 455 555. We have to get this sorted before 9 o'clock, before our special guest comes in. Travel news now, here's Sophie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Anti-clockwise on the M25, still looking fairly slow between 27 at the M11 and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. And again, slow between 17 at Maple Cross and 16 at the M40. Usual delays, though, for this time in the morning. While heading south on the Barnet Bypass, it is still slow as well between Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass. And the A10 at Great Cambridge Road heading through Chesant is looking a little bit tricky at the moment between Theobalds Lane and Junction 25 of the M25 at Enfield. Now, replacement bus service is still running on Greater Anglia between Ware and Hartford East following a signal problem. Everything else, though, not looking too bad at all right now. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. Good morning, it's 7.45, it's Friday the 26th of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Candidates for teaching courses will have to pass the new exams in numeracy, literacy and reasoning before they're allowed to train. People living near the planned high-speed rail route through Buckinghamshire are unhappy with the way the government's allocating compensation. In sport, Mo Farah's coach has told the BBC the double Olympic champion may attempt a 10,000 metres and a marathon double at the 2016 Rio Games. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks chilly, but staying mainly dry with sunny spells and a top temperature of 9 degrees. Coming up, cyclists in Milton Keynes have told BBC Three Counties in order for more people to use the redways, improvements are badly needed. Before 8, we'll hear from the council and the MK Cyclist Touring Club. Also, I will reveal the top two most common passwords in the country. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every Monday to Saturday from 12, Nick Coffer. Just to recap, Steve, one of those maggots... In the Troy one? No. <laughs> under your tongue. Oh, he's done it as well. Oh, my word. There is a maggot under his tongue. No problem. See? Didn't that make you feel slightly unwell? Nick Coffer. Justin Coughlin is the founder of Movember. It's a month to, uh, you know, be proud of your men rocking out moustaches. And we decided as founders that it was time for us to, to make a change and make a difference. And we really want to change the face of men's health. And my wife would probably not appreciate me having a moustache. Our wedding anniversary just happens to be in November. Nick Coffer, <laughs> Monday to Saturday from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. We're really struggling here, really struggling. We had a maths teacher call in, thanks a lot Mr Lawler, and set us this problem. If you climb up your stairs in your house and you put your left foot on step number one, what foot do you finish on? Now, it, it, it sounds quite simple and quite straightforward, but part of the debate is, do you include the landing as a step? You have to step up to it. So surely that means it's a stair, doesn't it? 
Laura's in Caddington. Good morning, Laura. Hello. I do love the way that we, we put out all of these, these, these topics and all of these newsy things, and, all, and the thing that everyone's calling in about is blooming stairs. <laughs> would you count the landing as a stair? Yes. You would do, because you have to step yeah. up to it, don't yeah, you? Do. Yeah. So all these people that are saying it's not, including we've had stair makers and carpet layers, what do they know about anything? I quite agree with you. Quite agree. Is there anything better, Laura? Just going off on a slight tangent. Is there anything better than the smell of a home that's been newly carpeted? Oh, no. Isn't no. it wonderful? No, it's beautiful. I it's absolutely beautiful. love it. The, the, the two times I've had it done in my life when, as, as an adult, and I've walked home from work, and the carpet's been laid, and there's little, little bits of fluff all over it. You're not allowed to hoover it for a couple of days, no. but just that smell. The worst thing is, though, moving all the furniture to where it's empty. Yeah, that's a pain. Yes. I pay a little bit more and get them to do it. Good idea. Yeah, yeah. Now, Laura, you, are you at the bottom of your stairs? I am. Okay. Now, can you please put your first foot, your left foot, on the first stair? Yes, I am. Okay. Would you walk up the stairs and count them as you walk, please? I will. Here right. we go. I'm off now. So 14, and that's you standing on the landing. I'm stood on the landing. So that's your right foot, 14 stairs. It is, yes. I'm going to go... Laura, listen, you, can I be honest? Everybody else who's called in this morning about this, they've sounded a little bit flaky. To be, we, we had one fellow that was in bed and wouldn't even get out of bed to discuss this. <laughs> you sound like the first sensible caller that we've had on stairs. Laura. Okay. So I, I'm going to take your, your word as gospel. If anyone calls in to dispute it, we'll see. But Laura in Caddington, 14 steps, she's ended up on her right foot. That's great. Laura, thank you very much. Thank you. Ta-ta, there we go, you see. Science. It's science. 14 stairs, ended up on her right foot. We have the conclusive answer to that. If you disagree, 08459 455 555. The government will announce today tougher tests. This is the reason we're talking about it. There is a newsy reason. I don't know how we got onto stairs, but there is a reason. The government will announce tougher tests for prospective teachers today in an effort to raise standards in education. Current tests in maths and English will be made more difficult and trainee teachers will only be allowed two resits. The aim is to raise the quality of teaching in England. Well, Charlie Taylor is chief executive of the teaching agency, a new agency within the Department for Education. And, uh, Charlie, you're going to be overseeing these tests, is that correct? Yeah, that's right, yes, indeed, yeah. Why have these tests for teachers in state schools when the government lets people who are unqualified teach in free schools and academies? That's been kind of part of the argument from teachers this morning. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the point about the, the uh, unqualified teachers going to free schools and academies is, is not that this is going to be a huge change. Um, what Michael Gove thought was he saw independent schools who, if they got a fantastic doctor of physics who, who turned up, that they could employ them without having to go through the process of teacher training. And simply what he wanted to do was to allow that same freedom to academies and free schools as well. But I think that will only be a very small proportion of, of, of people who are going to teaching that route. And, 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 and the main route will be through the, the, the uh, traditional teacher but, training. But, but part of the, the, the problem we've, we've uh, addressed with the teachers going to today is that you could have been Ooh. like a soldier, which is, hey, you know, it's a job and it's a career but if yeah. how does being serving on the front line in afghanistan set you up to teach kids uh, what for the troops to teachers you mean yeah well i think that i think many of us i mean i think many of the skills that soldiers have are absolutely the skills that we want to have in uh, within the classroom uh resilience uh, being able to um keep going when things get difficult uh, the ability to work in a team i think soldiers br uh, br bring fantastic qualities to the classroom
Okay. Uh, they, these tests that are going to be introduced to make um, it, it harder to become teachers. Yes. Uh, uh, how exactly will they work? Uh, before teachers are allowed to start their teacher training, they will have have to have passed these tests in uh, English and maths. Mm. And are, are they? Uh, I mean, is it basic stuff or are they quite tricky? Well, they, I mean, they already sit tests now, but but what the government wants to do here is they want to raise the standard, and 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 the the new tests will be up to about the equivalent of uh, a GCSE B grade. Okay, we've heard for, uh, from the Luton rep of, of the NUT earlier. He uh-huh. said it's hard enough to recruit teachers anyway. Surely this is going to put some people off, isn't it? Well, um, um, funnily enough, actually, uh, we're getting more people applying to come into teaching, actually, than ever. And what's more, we're, we're getting more people with the very best degrees applying to come into teaching. I think there's been a real change in the way that teaching's perceived in, in the last few years. It's now a much higher status profession. It's a profession that people uh, can say that they're in and hold their heads up with pride in a way that I think perhaps wasn't in the past. Um, teaching is now seen as a great job. OK. Well, uh, um, Michael Gove uh, seems to be very unpopular with a lot of the teachers we've spoken to this morning. Why do you think that is? Well, I, I think inevitably any education secretary um, uh, can often become unpopular with the profession. And I think Michael Gove wants to make some really radical changes uh, within teaching, within the world of education. And, and I think through those changes, uh, often there's a lot of challenge out there for teachers. Has he consulted with teachers about these changes? Uh, Michael Gove talks to teachers all the time. Right. But, uh, but the ones that we've spoken to don't seem very happy with the changes he's suggesting, which would imply that he's, he's perhaps not listening. Well, I mean, I think Michael Gave listens to the views of everybody uh, about teaching, but he's also got some very clear views of his own about, about making sure that uh, the children in our school uh, are taught by the very best teachers and that we actually compete with countries who, you know, in, in, in the past have actually gone ahead of us, countries like Singapore and, and, and South Korea and Finland, who, who are doing a better job than we're doing. So what we're saying is uh, teachers are doing an amazing job, but we, can we do even better? Yes, we probably can. Charlie Taylor, thank you very much. He's the chief executive of the Teaching Agency. If you're a teacher and you heard that, you, maybe you're on your way to school, you're in the, the staff room. Do they listen to the wireless in the staff room these days? You used to be able to smoke in the staff room when I was a kid. Yeah, I know. You'd go and knock on the door for, for one of the teachers and you'd just get a waft of coffee, cheap coffee, and fag smoke coming out. You can't do it now. But if you are a teacher listening to that, what do you make of it? Oh, wait, 459 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on that or any of the things we're talking about this morning. Cyclists in Milton Keynes have told BBC Three Counties in order for more people to use the redways, improvements are badly needed. With a growing population, the council wants more people to get on their bike and cycle to work using the red footpaths, which cover nearly 200 miles to reduce congestion on the roads in future. Joining us from our Milton Keynes studio is Phil Ashbourne from the MK Cyclist Touring Club and councillor John Bint, the cabinet uh, member in charge of highways at the council. Good morning, gentlemen. Hello. Good morning. morning. Phil, let's talk to you first. What could be improved on the redways to make sure more, more cyclists use them? Mainly the maintenance. The, uh, the services are, are eroding in a lot of places and also the, the undergrowth is creeping on in a lot of the areas. It's, uh, it covers maybe a third of the, uh, the surface. The lighting uh, is very good when it's on, but it's not always on, so it's essential that the lights get inspected and repaired as necessary. Phil, you you were a town planner, weren't you, when Milton Keynes was Yes, I was, with the uh, Development Corporation. Uh, And you said back in the 70s the town needed to become more cycling-friendly. Yeah, when I came here, it was a a miracle, really, that there was the... uh, the basis of the the redway as we now know it, you know, they'd, they'd obviously designed the, the segregated system, uh, which was in the vogue at that particular time in the uh, late 60s, early 70s. And uh, 
the, uh, the there were a lot of design faults in a way. The, the lighting was substandard. The, the curbs weren't dropped. And the development corporation, we lobbied the development corporation, and they made the improvements as necessary. They, they developed routes that ran alongside the, the grid roads because originally they ran across the grid roads rather than alongside but you're the, saying, so the, grid the improvements were made but maybe we've let them yeah. go to pot a little bit yeah i think that the, basically the the roadways uh, have been designed for a, a speed of about 10 to 12 miles an hour and a lot of the uh, fitter cyclists they do cycle faster than that yeah. let me speak to phil let me just uh, we're running yeah, out of time so yeah. let's speak to the councillor uh, uh, john you heard phil there they, a lot of maintenance needs to be done better lighting uh, they need to be resurfaced and cut back all the bushes and the shrubs that sounds sensible doesn't it i think that's a great start to the list i think i'd like to add the fact that we'd like uh the 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 redways to be better signposted so once you're on them you you know a greater variety Mm. of places you can go we'd like to improve the uh the maps and leaflets so that people uh, are encouraged to go and and try them we want to improve the facilities at both ends so when you get to your destination you can lock up and park your 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 bike safely i know lots of bike enthusiasts have increasingly got uh, quite sophisticated expensive bikes and we're getting feedback that as well as as bike racks people would like more bike lockers at places like the railway station so yes delighted that people are enthusiastic about the redways and very keen to have people's feedback so we get a a full list of all the things that need doing how much money are you spending on these these improvements several hundred thousand pounds a year uh, we've got a a big program of improvement on on all the infrastructure of milton Keynes, which has been uh, we think a little bit neglected over the last few years and and starting with walkways and redways if you're serious about people getting uh, off of, out of their cars and onto bikes have you considered something like the, the scheme they have in london the boris bikes where you can you can rent bikes we're very open to all the feedback and all the ideas, and, and if that's something that, that would be relevant to Milton Keynes, then, then that's certainly something we'll look at. It hasn't been something high on people's list previously. They've been much more concerned about the fact that actually they've got a bike, but they're just discouraged from using it because they're not sure where they can go and there's mm. um, <clears throat> maintenance conditions on, on the surface of the, of the redways. But, but if actual ownership and loan bikes is, is, is going to help get people uh, onto the redways, then that's certainly something we'll look at. Phil, it sounds like the, the, the councillor is has got his head screwed mm. on when it comes to cycling he's, he's on your side are, are you happy with what's being suggested yeah the, the, the council have just produced a cycling strategy which is open for a consultation at the moment and i think that's a, a good step forward it's basically very good there are some ambitions that uh, we'd like to see um, the council already are pushing for 20 mile an hour zones in residential areas and i think uh, we would like to see that uh, expanded that program and i think we would like to see perhaps um, looking at traffic speeds because that's one of the biggest deterrent to cycling is uh, uh, traffic volumes and speeds okay gentlemen we have to leave it there phil ashbourne from the mk cyclist touring club and councillor john bint talking about the improvements that are being suggested to mk's redways time for the travel news now let's go to sophie tyler Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Anti-clockwise on the M25, it's still looking fairly slow at the moment between 27 at the M11 and 25 at the A10 for Enfield and again between 16 at the M40 and 15 at the M4. Now southbound on the A1, the Barnet Bypass there is still slow between Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass and on the A10, the Great Cambridge Road as well, heading south at the moment. Uh, it is looking a little bit tricky between Bullsmore Lane and Southby Road and again southbound between uh, the Great Cambridge Road and Theobalds Road as well. Now on Greater Anglia services, a replacement bus service is currently running between where in Hartford East that was following a signal problem. Everything else, though, not looking too bad right now. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. What a morning we've had so far, and there's plenty more to come. In the next hour, I will reveal the top two most common passwords. If you've got them, I suggest you change them as quickly as you can. Here's the news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's eight o'clock, the headlines, tougher tests for teachers, confusion over HS2 compensation and tributes to boxing trainer Emmanuel Stewart. BBC Three Counties Radio. The government is setting tougher tests in numeracy and literacy for people who want to become teachers in England. The basic skills in English and mathematics will be raised from the equivalent of a GCSE C to a B. National Union of Teachers Rep for Luton, Dave Mingay, dismissed the plans as government meddling. Everyone has to do an education because everyone's been to school. Um... And this is Michael Gove's issue. He's been to school and he had a very positive experience in school and now he wants to recreate his education experience for everyone. Well, it doesn't, doesn't work for everyone. The government's plans to compensate people living along the proposed HS2 rail link through Buckinghamshire are causing confusion this morning. The government will buy houses from people living within 60 metres of the line. Those whose homes are within 120 metres will be offered compensation and those just beyond will get nothing at all. But the MP for Chesham and Amersham, Cheryl Gillen, says people can't be sure of where they stand. If you read the consultation document that's come out on compensation... It says that although um, the route of this HS2 railway is fixed, the precise line of route isn't known yet. Um, And uh, the precise line of the route could actually change. An 86-year-old woman has died after a crash on the H9 Groveway in Milton Keynes yesterday. Her red Seat Ibiza crashed with a silver Renault Laguna at 25 to 3 in the afternoon. The other driver suffered minor injuries. Police are now appealing for witnesses. A new study suggests the number of homes built in Britain every year could rise from 100,000 to 300,000 without government investment. According to the Future Homes Commission, the target could be achieved by using council pension funds. With the details, here's our local government correspondent, Mike Sargent. The report says a housing revolution is possible that will lead economic growth and create tens of thousands of jobs. Sir John Bannon, the chairman of the commission, says a percentage of the assets in local government pension schemes could be pooled to provide a £10 billion housing fund. This would be used to build homes which could in the future be sold, thereby replenishing the fund. Councils say the government must also ease restrictions on the ability of local authorities to borrow for house building. The housing minister, Mark Prisk, said the government would carefully consider the commission's ideas. Admiralty Arch, the gateway from Trafalgar Square to the Mall and Buckingham Palace will be turned into a luxury hotel. The government has sold the leasehold to a Spanish property company for £60 million. In sport, one of the most successful boxing trainers of all time, Emmanuel Stewart, has died in Chicago. He was 68. During his career, Emmanuel Stewart worked with more than 40 world champions, including Thomas Hitman Hearns, Lennox Lewis and the current world heavyweight title holder, Vladimir Klitschko. The weather chilly but mainly dry with sunny spells and a 
top temperature of 9 degrees Celsius, that's 48 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Lots coming up in the show this uh, morning. Last hour of the show before JVS at nine o'clock. Entry tests for teachers are to become more rigorous. Who were the best and worst teachers when you were younger? You'll soon be able to relive your memories from the California Ballroom in Dunstable. Remember that? Ever been there? What bands did you see there? Some cracking acts played there. And stand at the bottom of your stairs. Yeah, put your left foot on the bottom stair and walk up. Which foot do you end up on when you get to the top? We reveal the answer to this maths problem, which was set for us an hour ago. I'll also have the top two most common passwords and, very, very exciting, Clem Curtis from The Foundations is coming in before nine o'clock. How cool is that? BBC Three Counties Radio. Legend! Legend coming in. Doesn't get much more exciting than that. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you uh, want to give us a call. The California Ballroom was uh, was a new one to me. It was mentioned yesterday. I was like, what's this? And everyone went, you don't know the California Ballroom in Dunstable? And I did a little bit of research yesterday. Wow, some of the acts that played there, incredible. Everyone played there. Everyone played there. If you've ever been there, if you ever went there in the 60s and the 70s, could you just give us a, a little text or a little call? And just, just rattle off a couple of names of, of, of some of the acts you saw. 08459 455 555. Who did you see at the California Ballroom? I'll tell you why we're talking about it a little bit later on. And don't let me finish the show without telling you the, uh, the top two most common passwords that people use for their computers, their emails, their Facebooks, what have you. If, you, if you've got this as your password, I suggest you change it very, very quickly. Now, the government has announced tougher tests for prospective teachers to raise the quality of teaching in England. Current tests in maths and English will be made more difficult, and trainee teachers will only be allowed to resits. Earlier on, I was joined in the studio by Dave Mingay, the National Union of Teachers representative for Luton. Everyone has to do an education because everyone's been to school. Um, and this is Michael Goes issue he's been to school and he had a very positive experience in school and now he wants to recreate his education experience for everyone well it doesn't doesn't work for everyone and having control of the class as you said deep subject knowledge that's one thing but actually these tests wouldn't address that what we need is proper professional development for teachers so ongoing in-service training to ensure your subject knowledge is up to date to ensure your your skills as a teacher are up to date and as best as they can be i also spoke to charlie taylor he's the chief executive of the teaching agency a new agency within the Department for Education, which will oversee these tests. Uh, we're getting more people applying to come into teaching, actually, than ever. And what's more, we're, we're getting more people with the very best degrees applying to come into teaching. I think there's been a real change in the way that teaching's perceived in, in the last few years. It's now a much higher status profession. It's a profession that people uh, can say that they're in and hold their heads up with pride in a way that I think perhaps wasn't in the past. Um, teaching is now seen as a great job. And I think Michael Gay wants to make some really radical changes uh, within teaching, within the world of education. Uh, and, and I think through those changes, uh, often there's a lot of challenge out there for teachers. Well, earlier this year, staff and governors at Oxley Park Academy in Milton Keynes were given the award for Outstanding School Team of the Year at the Pearson Teaching Awards. Cathy Higgins is the Academy Principal and joins us now to tell us about her sec- uh, success. Oh, good morning. <laughs> I do apologise, Cathy. There's a Freudian slip there, if ever. Uh, it must be very exciting receiving that award. 
It is very exciting, Ian. It's a great honour on behalf of the whole of the Oxley Park community to actually receive that award and recognise the work that goes on day in, day out um, to make education the best for our children. Why do you think you were so successful? I think it's down to the teamwork, but it's about good teaching and it is about um, having a really good school, but a good school isn't just... It doesn't just stop at the school gates. It is the work of the children, the parents and the whole community coming together to make the education better that really has impact. What do you think... We were talking about good teachers and bad teachers this morning. What do you think makes a good teacher? Teaching's a very difficult job. It demands a whole load of skills. You know, I think it demands dedication and hard work, a level of intelligence, but also emotional intelligence. You know, um, teachers need to be able to empathise with the children and with the parents to really get the best out of the children they have. But I think most importantly, it's not, it's not just a job. It has to be a passion. You have to want to be the best and to get the best from your children. You're right. I think the, the, the teacher that I, that I keep referring to, my English teacher, Mrs Routledge, she, uh, she did her job, but then she, she, you know, she did a whole lot more as well and, and would take us aside and do private stuff with us and encourage us in things that, that perhaps other teachers weren't so encouraging in. I think that's what, 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 as well as knowing the subject, it's that personal touch, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you've heard about these, these uh, tougher tests that are going to be introduced to, to, to weed out perhaps potential teachers that aren't quite so good. Do you think they're necessary? Um, I, I think it's all down to good selection and also, as was mentioned earlier, about high quality CPD once you have um, staff members in school. Um, I'm, quite, I'm quite pleased for the fact that they're actually including not just numeracy and literacy tests, but also recognising the fact that working in a school is a very unpredictable thing and you do have to be very, very flexible and able to meet those demands. Obviously your school, uh, Oxley Park Academy, is, is doing very well, but do you think that the quality of teaching needs to be raised in general uh, across the country? I think anything that does raise the profile of teaching and gets us better quality teachers cannot be a bad thing. I have been told, that, and I don't know what this refers to, Cathy, uh, that you start the school in, in, in day in your own unique way. We do. We have what we call our Oxley Hacker, which is um, an affirmation that every child has done since the minute the school has opened, every single day. The whole school meets together on the playground, staff and children, and any visitors we have, where we actually bond and we say, today we are going to aspire to be the best we can be. And you do it in the playground? We do. Even whole... when it's really cold? Even when it's Whoa. cold and even when it's raining. You're a cruel woman. <laughs> Sheila, could you, could you give us a bit of the hacker, please? Oh, well, it starts off with, at Oxley Park, we aim to be the most amazing we can be. And I think that just sums up the whole thing. And it ends with our school motto, which is dream, believe, achieve together. There we go, Sheila. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Cathy Higgins, the Academy Principal from Milton uh, Oxley Park Academy in Milton Keynes. Uh, and if you want to hear that Freudian slip, I'm sure it'll be posted up on YouTube about now. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. You can email as well, of course. Even when we're not on the air, you can send an email, uh, 3cr at bbc.co.uk. Sue has emailed, I'm a teacher, and I totally agree with making the tests teachers take to qualify harder. I qualified as a mature teacher seven years ago, and the tests weren't too taxing. I despair at younger teachers who cannot spell or even punctuate a sentence with a comma. Mr Gove has decided that improving literacy in exams is to be rolled out for all subjects. For that to happen, all teachers need to be consistently marking books for basic grammatical errors. It will not just be the English teacher's role to insist on these skills. That has to be good for education, surely. And I'm scanning this email. The commas are all in the right place, as are the apostrophes. Thank you very much, uh, Sue. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Stairs has been the main thrust of the show after we were sent a ridiculous maths problem. Uh, if you put your left foot 
on the bottom stair and you walk up, what foot do you end on? Well, it's caused controversy. Sheila's in St Albans. Good morning, Sheila. Good morning. You, now, th- the top of the stairs... Is the landing. Are you, are you sure about that? Well, you call it the landing. Yes. So, therefore, it can't be a stair. Sorry? Well, if you call it a landing... Yes. Well, but it, it is... No, but the top... But the no. top mm. is the floor. When you start off at the bottom, you're on a floor. Yes. And then you go onto a stair. Yes. And you walk up to yeah. the last stair. Yep. And then you step onto what most people call the landing or a floor. Right. You so, step onto. So you're saying the landing is not a stair. Correct. Because if you were having it carpeted or whatever, you wouldn't put the carpet on the landing and go one bit down to a stair, would you? And you wouldn't, if you had a stair carpet that um, used to have runners, or yes. runner, it wouldn't go over the top. Okay. Right? Say, so stay, that, stay there, Sheila, stay there. Because Barry and Hemel, you disagree with Sheila. Oh, yes, certainly. I mean, you step onto the landing, so that is a step. You've said the word step, so you step. And then when you get onto the landing itself, uh, what foot do you end up on? Well, if you don't end up on both feet, you're likely to fall down again. So the answer to that is both feet. Sheila Barry disagrees. He says that the landing is a stair. It can't, well, okay. How can how can it have two words? How can a landing be a stair? A stair is something, you know, up and over, up and over. When you get to the landing, it's flat. You're not going up any further. You're on the last stair before the landing. You, you, how, how can you call? How can you call a landing? and a stair the same thing it's one is the stair and one is the landing the landing's where you end up at the end of the step the floor and at the bottom is where you step onto the steps so as the first exactly step. You go from the floor onto the step so that if, if you were to, and if, when you go off the step you've got to go another step to get onto the landing and whatever foot you end up on you've got to put your two foot I, there you must end up on two feet otherwise I, you'd fall down but i tell you what if you was to go and buy and go into a shop and say to him i want a set of stairs yeah. right it yeah. doesn't come with a landing and it doesn't come with a floor Nobody comes to the step up to the landing. Yeah, it's but that's step. the last stair. The last stair before the landing. Oh, we're not talking about stairs, we're talking about steps. Step no, we're talking, no, 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 we're Barry. talking about stairs. Yeah, I'm with you Sorry. on this one, Sheila. You're right. We are talking Thank about... You. De- you, <laughs> Sheila, calm as, down. As, I, one of those, as, as one of those callers you called damaged goods... Oh, oh. oh yes. <laughs> That's why you're so... I knew there was a tone in your voice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm damaged goods now, am I? No, 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 no. No, sorry, I'm the damaged goods. Yes. yes. Not you, sir. No, no, not you, Barry, although <laughs> I have right, suspicions. You're all right, Barry. Yeah, all right, but OK. Oh, I'm glad you said that. Unless, of course, you call the... Uh, JVS show, then you are damaged goods. Oh, no, don't say that! Jonathan's outside! I do that every day. Oh, well, uh, that's two of us. We are both damaged goods. Sheila, listen, please, I don't want to fall out with you, Sheila. I apologise for any inference that you may be damaged goods. Okay, but but, but Barry, we are are talking about stairs, not steps. Barry, is the landing a stair? Um, well, the landing's not a stair. Oh, away with you both. Away with you both. We're going to get the definitive answer. In about ten minutes or so, from uh, Graham Lawler, he's the math teacher that, that set this problem and basically screwed up the whole blooming show this morning. Thank you very much, Sheila, and thank you, Barry. You're both excellent sports. It's appreciated. Here's the travel news now with Sophie. Beds, hearts, and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Anti-clockwise on the M25, still looking fairly slow at the moment between 27 at the M11 and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Also slow again with around 15 minute worth of delays between 16 at the M40 and 15 at the M4. We're heading south on the Barnet Bypass, the Stirling Corner and Watford Bypass junctions are looking a little bit tricky at the moment. And on the A10, a couple of problems at the moment. First of all, through Enfield, between Bullsmore Lane and Southby Road on the Great Cambridge Road, it is looking fairly slow southbound. And again, heading through Chesant around Theobald's Lane, it is also fairly slow. Replacement buses are still running on Greater Anglia services between Ware and Hartford East due to a signalling problem, but everything else really not looking too bad at all right now. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. Good morning, it's 8.15, it's Friday the 26th of October. October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. The government is setting tougher tests for people who want to become teachers in England. Cheryl Gillan, MP for Chesham and Amersham, is criticising the government's allocation of compensation for people living along the proposed HS2 rail link. In sport, one of the most successful boxing trainers of all time, Emmanuel Stewart, has died in Chicago at the age of 68. We'll have a full weather bulletin shortly with Steve. And coming up, what of Stevie Wonder, the Rolling Stones, Bob Marley, Ike and Tina Turner and the Dave Clark Five all got in common? Find out before 8.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday morning from nine, Jonathan Vernon-Smith. I didn't have a problem at all. It was my husband that had the problem. Oh, really? In what way? All I got was, you're going to have reconstruction, aren't you? You're going to have reconstructed. How the hell did you cope with that? We never slept in the same bedroom again. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. We are now in Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Chris was diagnosed in 1996. If I hadn't gone for that x-ray, I sometimes sit and wonder what would be today's prognosis. I am a survivor. And I'm glad to be here today. For- Jonathan Vernon-Smith, weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Jonathan Vernon-Smith is in. We've had some people this morning, Jonathan, saying that if you call the JVS show, you are indeed damaged goods. Well, it's very rude. I don't know who started this. I can't imagine. It, well, no, it wasn't me. It was- I heard you the other day. You said, what was it you said to that uh, to that person who phoned in your show? You phoned the JVS show. Will you- everyone's damaged who phones the JVS show, you said. <laughs> Rude. Uh, I did a. You, you didn't hear my Freudian slip earlier on. What was it? We were talking to the headmaster of a, a school in, in Milton Keynes that had done very well. And instead of saying, "Tell me about your success," I said, "Tell me about your sex." <laughs> success. Success. <laughs> Can't believe it. Can you believe it? So today's show is with me asking a headmistress about her sex, right. and we've had people phoning in counting stairs. Yes, I've got a two-year contract that, that won't last. <laughs> I, I, I doubt I'll be back on Monday. Is, is there a get-out clause? Is, is, is David Priva free? <laughs> I suspect he'll be here on Monday. Show the boss be going. This is not what we hoped for. We hope for something intellectual and intelligent. He's, he's making Freudian slips and getting people to walk upstairs. Yeah, no, I'm sure you'll uh, you'll cling on for at least another week <laughs> while they find someone. What uh, what have you got planned this weekend? Anything exciting? Oh, Your weekends are, are always a joy to follow you on Twitter because you're normally really? you're normally moaning about something. Yes, yeah, so. <laughs> It's good. <laughs> what were you? Um, uh, what were you tweeting? You were tweeting some nonsense yesterday that had me chuckling away. I do, what, I do. about the dog whisperer, Caesar Milan, and Alan Titchmarsh. Oh yes, you got very angry about that, didn't you? Did you see that the uh, other day? I didn't Going see it, but, but Alan Titchmarsh had a go at Caesar Milan, the dog trainer. You, you said Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer. whisperer. Do, you, uh, do you ever watch this? 
Do you ever watch The Dog Whisperer? No, surprisingly not. It no. goes into these American families who've got yeah. these dogs and they're out of control. Yeah. And they normally treat these dogs like children, you yeah. know. And oh, we dress them up like a baby. Yeah. And he goes in and teaches them that actually they're a dog and you need to treat, teach them like a dog. Yeah. Alan Titchmarsh gets him on the show yesterday. He's saying, why do you punch the dog and kick the dog? And I've never seen him punch or well, kick a dog. But did, did, did Caesar Milan, and is that his name? Yeah. Uh, it sounds like a resort. But why does he punch and kick? dogs no he kind of taps oh to snap them out of it oh. if a dog is in a kind of like a really dangerous kind of zone yeah he'll tap them on the cheeks like that a little tap and then the dog snaps tap out my of hand it. the way he would tap it like that oh that's nothing that's exactly nothing. Yeah, that's and fine. and alan titchmarsh saying i've seen you punch a dog in the face i've never seen him punch a dog in the face i've had titchmarsh have a go at me before have you yeah i was on his show uh, a couple of times and it was they got me on i, I don't know some nonsense anyway i was the young alternative comedian that's how out of touch they were and before it before they they started filming it the warm-up guy said oh no alan titchmarsh said right um so uh this is um who's Who's that, um, uh, uh, Mackenzie? This is Kelvin Mackenzie, uh, and we all agree with what he says, so you can cheer him. This guy's called Ian Lee. If you disagree with him, feel free to boo him. Right, here we go. <laughs> and I have an audience of old people booing me on Titchmarsh. Oh, no. That was, it was fun. It's like pantomime, isn't it? You enjoyed it? I did. I, I, I came away, wiped a t- tear away from my eye, then I counted the £300 I'd been paid <laughs> and went and spent <laughs> it on booze. Yeah, why not? What's on your show this morning? Coming up on the big phone in this morning, should child benefit be limited to two? children the work and pension secretary in duncan smith has said that jobless couples with more than two children should have their benefit payments limited he said there are far too many couples living on benefits having big families whilst middle income parents have to consider whether or not they can afford to have children well the liberal democrats today are saying that they oppose such a move they don't believe it would save much money at all but mr smith has said the move is vital as the government tries to control public finances he describes the number of large families living on benefits in this country as madness well from nine this morning i want to hear your views should child benefit be limited to two children you've got two haven't you yes uh if you had any more do you think it would be quite acceptable for the government to say if you want to have a third that's fine but you just make sure you can afford that third child i know you don't what <laughs> i know no i do i i do th- I, I think it's uh, i get paid child benefit and we don't need it. And I think it's crazy that we get child benefit. I think it's ridiculous that we get it. We take it. Of course we do. But I think it's ridiculous. Uh, but also, we did think very carefully when we were having the kids, could we afford to have kids? And I think that is a sense of, that's, a, that's a thing you have to think about, isn't it? Is can you afford to have kids? Do you think some people don't have that kind of attitude? Do you think some people think, oh, yeah, let's just have a few more children and those uh, that £20 for our child benefit, uh, yeah, we could spend it on Lambert and Butler? I don't think people think like that. No? In the real world, no, I don't think they do. From nine, You're not morning. dragging me down. That, that Daily Mail alleyway. From nine this morning, I want to hear your views. Should child benefit be limited to two children? 08459 What are you doing this weekend? Anything nice? I'm flying off to Glasgow after the show. Oh, my word. You are so showbiz. <laughs> Glasgow's so glamorous. Uh, can I, very quickly, before you go, mm. what's your computer password? My computer... What, upstairs? Yeah. I'm not telling you what my computer password is. Okay, if you're not going to give me the details, is there a reason? <laughs> Did you honestly think I'd announce what my password is? I thought me? I may have caught you off guard. Is there a reason that you chose your password? Is there a story behind it? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're, you're actually blushing. <laughs> is it a naughty story? No, no, no. Oh, no. is it? Well, can you tell us the story? Will it give it anything away? Uh, yeah, because you'd then know what it was. Okay, interesting. Because th- it's something that I bought, and I thought, yes, I'll always remember that because I bought it. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> no, 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 no. Just joking. <laughs> I tell you what, the most, the top, the top two most common passwords. People are idiots, right? Number two, number three is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Right. Number two, lazy people. One, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> and the most common password in, in the in the country is password. Oh really? Why would you do that? That's a bit silly, isn't it? A little bit silly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really. Thank you very much. <laughs> he just mouthed to me. Mine's number two. <laughs> Quick, let me can hack into his computer. It's one, two, three, four, five, six before he changes it. Thank you very much, Jonathan. He'll be on at nine o'clock. Always uh, worth a listen. Oh, look at the time. Let's get, let's get the weather, shall we, with Steve? Beds, hearts, and bugs. Weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, I always change my password to invalid. So whenever it's invalid, the computer reminds you. That was Crichton off Red Dwarf, by the way, but never mind. Okay, it's a much colder day coming up. Feeling rather chilly, but staying mainly dry with sunny spells and patchy clouds. There might just still be just south of the Chilterns around the M25. A bit more cloud and a few spots of rain first thing, but that's going to clear off fairly quickly. The winds are going to pick up to a moderate northeasterly with a top temperature today, only 9 Celsius, 48 Fahrenheit. And indeed, up across Milton Keynes and Bedford, it's probably going to be more like a 7. Tonight, cold and clear with a widespread frost. Temperatures for most places down to 0 Celsius tonight, 32 Fahrenheit, with a minus one just about possible through the Chilterns and the Downs. So it's a widespread ground and local air frost tonight. Saturday, a cold and frosty start, but dry and bright with plenty of sunshine. Sunday, clouding up again, with a bit of patchy rain or drizzle coming through. Then Monday, cloudy with some showery rain for a time, turning generally drier later on. And Tuesday, another cold and frosty start, but dry and bright with plenty of sunshine after early mist and fog clears. And there's your forecast from me, Steve Weston. Steve, thank you very much indeed. Just to let you know, from Monday, the weather is moving. It's not going to be at uh, uh, the 20 past, it's going to be at quarter to 6.45, 7.45, 8.45. Now, earlier on in the show, Graham Lawler, math teacher and now my nemesis, set us a puzzle. If you start with your left foot on the first step and walk up the stairs, what foot do you end on? Well, it's, it's had everybody tearing their hair out. We've been putting it to the test. One, two, three, four, five, six. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 13 stairs I have. 13 stairs? And I'm on my left foot. So your left foot is at the top of your stairs. You've got 13 stairs. Very top stair, but not on the landing. Oh, hang on a minute. So you're not on the land... Well, I, now, I would have co- thought the landing was a stair. We've got David in Luton. Good morning, David. Good morning. We've got Paul in Milton Keynes, who used to lay carpets. And, Paul, you make the controversial claim that the landing doesn't count as a stair. No, it's a riser. Oh, it's a riser. <laughs> right, David, are you ready? Left foot on the first step. Yeah. Paul, left foot on the first step. Right. Go. One, two, three, three, five, four, six, seven, five, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, count the top. No, don't count the top. <laughs> You've got to. Good morning, Richard. You used to make stairs, didn't you? I spent 54 years involved in making stairs at various times. On average, you, they varies because it's the rise and the going and the well where you put the stairs. So, on average, in a normal house, you finish up with 12. One, two, three, four, five, Twelve, thirteen, fourteen brings me to the top on my right foot. You sound like the first sensible caller that we've had 
on stairs. There you go. You're listening to BBC Three Counties Radio, the first for news. Uh, well, Graham Lawler, who, who left that mind bomb with us, uh, is back on. Thanks a lot, Graham. Good morning. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Oh, it's wonderful that beds, bugs, and hearts doing mathematics first thing in the morning. It's fantastic for a mathematician. But they're all arguing. They're all arguing. Yeah, but that's important, Ian. You see, the, the point is when you're actually solving maths problems, yes. you have to have an agreement of what the problem is. Right. And, you know, these people are phoning in saying, oh, you don't include the landing, and that's a riser. I mean, what they're actually saying is, are we agreed on what the problem is? Because we're not agreeing on the problem. We don't get the right solution. Graham? <laughs> Yeah. I hate you. <laughs> what is the answer, sir? Well, it depends on how many stairs you've got. Oh. And obviously, you've got two legs. Now, the way you actually work this out is think in terms of... You make always make a problem simpler. Yes. So always, instead of saying, well, I've got 12 stairs, 14 stairs, or whatever, no. what happens if you've got two stairs? Right. If you've got two steps, never mind the risers, never mind the landing, if you've got two steps, you put your left foot on the first step, and you put your right foot on the next step. Yeah. So if you've got an even number of steps, right. you should end up on your right foot. Right. If you've got an odd number of steps... Oh. So hang on a minute, there isn't... There isn't a correct answer, then. <laughs> well, it depends on well, your you, house. You can't... Ju- I thought there was, like, an industry standard, and now you're saying, well, it depends. You can't, if <laughs> I was, in, if I was in my maths lesson, right, with Mrs. Masson, <laughs> and she set me a problem, and I gave her the answer, she goes, are you sure that's right? Well, it depends. You yeah. can't You can't put that in, a, in an exam. It depends. It depends on the number of steps. The point is, <sighs> mathematics, that there isn't always an absolute answer for every circumstance. It depends on the circumstances that you're at. But what a great way of getting people in beds, bucks and hearts involved in mathematics. Graham Lawler, you are, you are um, a, a very, very naughty man. Can we, can we um, officially give you the title of the Ian Lee Breakfast Show Maths Correspondent? Oh, yes, please. You are rewarded for that. Anytime we have a maths problem, we'll call you. Yeah, anytime you want another problem, call me. No, I'll we, throw we, another one at you. Thank you very much, sir. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Very quickly, Justin Dealey. Ian. Whereabouts are you? Uh, I'm in Dunstable at the moment. I'm at the, uh, the Priory House Heritage Centre here because uh, from tomorrow, a new exhibition opens for five weeks all about the California Ballroom. Now, for those that know nothing about the California Ballroom, it was one of the venues uh, of the 1960s and 1970s in Dunstable, at the bottom of the Downs. Diana Ross played there, Bob Marley played there, the Dave Clark Five played there, the Rolling Stones played there. This place was absolutely legendary, and in around 20 minutes' time, I'll be talking to Paul Gray, who has assigned 45 of somebody who was actually at the California Ballroom. Stay tuned, we'll talk to him a bit later on, and also so we're going to be taking a photograph of that and putting it onto our Facebook page. So come back to me a bit later on. Fantastic, Justin. Excellent stuff. Wow. We've crammed a lot in this morning, haven't we? Hope you're coping with it. Travel news now. Here's Sophie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Heading south on the A1M, it's looking fairly busy at the moment. Reports of an accident involving two vehicles between seven at Stevenage and six at Welling Garden City. The uh, matrix signs are set to 50 miles an hour at the moment, thanks to Lindsay for calling that one in. We will bring you more on that as and when it comes in. Now, anti-clockwise on the M25, it's still slow between 27 at the M11 and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. And again, a little bit tricky still between 16 at the uh, M40 and 15 at the M4. The rest of the problems on the roads are looking like the usual delays that won't be holding you up for too long 
long at all this morning. But don't forget, a replacement bus service is still running on Greater Anglia between Ware and Hartford East, following a signal problem a little bit earlier on. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. It's 8.30, bang on the nose. Let's get the latest news and sport now with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. The government setting tougher tests in numeracy and literacy for people who want to become teachers in England. The MP for Chesham and Amersham is criticising the government's allocation of compensation for people living along the proposed HS2 rail link. Cheryl Gillan saying the route could change. And a new study says the number of homes built in Britain every year could rise from 100,000 to 300,000 without government investment. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Watford are at managerless Blackburn in the Championship tomorrow without Daniel Pudil and Nathaniel Shaloba after their midweek red cards. In League One, second place Stevenage hosts Swindon. Here's their manager, Gary Smith. Swindon are a really good side, have plenty of, of quality in there to, to punish us. But we end on a bad run ourselves and we're not a bad, bad team ourselves. So, you know, we're always sure that we can find the back of the net somehow, some way. Also in League One, MK Dons travel to Scunthorpe and in League Two, Wickham have a local derby at home to Oxford. In the conference, Luton travel to fellow promotion contenders Forrest Green with striker John Shaw in confident mood. We're five wins out of six. Um, great form going in up against a side that you know are well fancied and you know they've got a good backing behind them. So you know it'll be a tough place to go, but we're looking forward to it. We don't fear anybody. In the Europa League last night, Liverpool are now top of Group A after a wonder goal from Stuart Downing saw them beat the Russian big spenders Anzi by a 1-0 at Anfield. Here's manager Brendan Rodgers' reaction. Another very good performance you know, against a, a very good side, a side that has over an 80% win ratio. So uh, this season they've only lost one game. So for us and with the power that they have, especially in attacking areas, it was a very good performance. Newcastle beat Club Bruges 1-0 to extend their lead to three points at the top of Group D. And uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson scrambled an equaliser for Tottenham as they drew one all with NK Maribor in Slovenia. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at nine. Call 08459 455555. 08459 455555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots, lots coming up in the last half an hour of the show, including Clem Curtis from the Foundations coming in. Oh, yes, please. We'll have some of that. He's in the building, dear listener. He'll be down uh, before nine o'clock. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Uh, some of you may have been listening to the last five, ten minutes of the show yesterday, uh, and you may have heard a very upsetting call from a gentleman called James. Uh, James uh, is, I think, 45. He has MS. And he told a very sad story. We've been talking about Dignitas and about assisted suicide. Uh, and he was... Uh, it, it was basically a very sad story. And he sounded in a little bit of a state. He was quite upset. Just to let you know that um, uh, my producer uh, spoke to him off-air after the show, gave him the number of the MS Society, had a little chat with him, and he was very grateful that he'd had the opportunity to come on the air uh, and tell his story. So, if anything, I think that may have helped a little bit. I know some of you were concerned about that, but... We spoke to him, uh, and we, we, we've hopefully we've, we've nudged him in the direction of where he might be able to get some help. Whether he takes that, it's his option now, but um, just thought you might like a little update on that. 
Now, police investigating the Jimmy Savile sex abuse case say they are preparing to make arrests. Several high-profile names could be questioned within days. Officers say they're now dealing with around 300 potential victims. 300 potential victims. Our reporter, James Alexander, has got more. Good morning, James. Morning, Ian. The police say they have an arrest strategy. That's the phrase I keep hearing. Does that mean that arrests are Mm. imminent? Yeah, arrests are now on the cards. Clearly, Jimmy Savile died before he could be brought to justice, but police believe other living suspects were involved. Either they carried out abuse themselves or they helped cover it up. Detectives say these people can expect a knock on the door in the coming days, and it's possible some of these individuals may be celebrities, people you recognise off TV and radio. One paper this morning is talking about as many as 12 household names could be taken in for questioning. The number of victims, we mentioned there, there are around 300 potential victims. It it, it almost Mm. beggars belief. Is that number expected to rise, or is that it now? Yeah, the numbers are staggering, and and this figure of 300 potential victims so far is likely to rise further because more victims are still coming forward by the hour. Commander Peter Spindler is in charge of the inquiry. He says this could be a landmark investigation. What has happened in recent weeks is a watershed for the investigation of child abuse in Britain. Victims can recognise that they don't have to suffer in silence, that they can speak out and they will be listened to and that they will be believed. And Commander Spindler hopes this could have an impact really even beyond Jimmy Savile, that other victims of abuse will be encouraged now to speak up. The more we hear about the scale of, of Jimmy Savile's offending, the more you wonder how it could have gone on for so long, apparently unchallenged. Yeah, it is extraordinary, you know, the time span involved from the 1950s right through to the 2000s and lots of talk this morning about missed opportunities because it turns out police investigated Savile six or seven times over the course of his lifetime but no action was ever taken. Some of these allegations involved patients at Stoke Mandeville Hospital Other allegations involve uh, alleged abuse on BBC premises. Uh, Back in the 80s, it appears a young girl came forward saying she'd been inappropriately touched by Jimmy Savile in a caravan he had parked in the grounds of BBC Television Centre in London. But apparently there was not enough evidence to prosecute. And to put it bluntly, Ian, Jimmy Savile got away with it. Well, you say exactly, he got away with it. I think this is the thing that, that, as the casual observer, that I'm finding so frustrating, is that he did get away with it. He will never, of course, face justice. It, It leaves a lot of questions for a lot of people, not least the BBC. Yeah, because some of the alleged abuse happened on BBC premises and it involved one of the BBC's biggest stars. There is, as you know, a BBC investigation into what the corporation knew about Jimmy Savile's behaviour, but other institutions are also reviewing their files. The Crown Prosecution Service, the police, the Home Office, the NHS. The team at Scotland Yard has trebled in size. There are now 30 officers working full-time on this case. They believe Jimmy Savile may be one of the most prolific sexual predators they've ever investigated. James Alexander, thank you very much. The BBC in beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Um, don't forget, Sunday mornings, <clears throat> excuse me, six till nine, Helen Lee. Uh, presents The Breakfast Show, and this Sunday, a mix of music, stories, and news from the spiritual side of life. The truth about Halloween. 
with a pagan mum of three from Hitchin and a St Albans church offering an alternative to trick-or-treating. Uh, has the Channel 4 programme about Jewish mums done a disservice to Jewish mothers in the three counties? And he- this week's moral dilemma, would you read your teenage daughter's diary? I'll tell you the answer, yes. Of course. Of course you would, totally. If it's there, I haven't got a teenage daughter, but if I did, and there was a diary there, <clears throat> I'd totally read it. Without a shadow of a doubt. Does that make me bad? Um, some of you may disagree with that. I'm sure Helen probably does. Uh, Helen Lee, this Sunday morning, BBC Three Counties Radio. It, it, definitely worth a listen um, uh, uh, to that. We've been talking this morning about the redways. Uh, do you know what they are? Well, they're the, the sort of cycling routes in Milton Keynes that were there for a long time to uh, uh, encourage people to cycle. They've become... Uh, a little bit worn, a little bit tired, a little bit dirty, they need to be lighted, need new lights and stuff like that. The council are going to spend a lot of money to try and get people back onto these redways. Uh, Stuart Allen runs a bike shop in Newport Pagnell. Good morning, Stuart. Hi there. Have you seen these redways recently? Do you use them at all? I do, actually, yeah. I use them pretty much um, every day. Um, And they're a fantastic thing. I mean, in Milton Keynes... Uh, it's a very cycling-friendly city. Um, it's quite small, and so um, having a redway system is fantastic, yeah, to be able to get around. Do you agree, though, Stuart, that they've been allowed to, to, to get a bit run down? Yes, definitely. I mean, I've lived in Milton Keynes, well, all my life, and I started using them when they were put down, pretty much. Um, and now they are very, very run down. They've never had any kind of upkeep in 30 years. Listen, I, I remember the roadways. My nan used to live in Milton Keynes, and I remember in the early 80s um, kind of uh, uh, seeing them, and they were, were, were marvellous and looked great. They do look a bit of a state now. What would you like to see done to them, Stuart? I think the biggest thing, really, is just the resurfacing of them, because when you cycle, you've got a very direct contact with the road or to the redway. Um, if it's really uneven, there's lots of breaking up of it, and it's it's very uncomfortable to ride on. Mm. So is, the resurfacing, yeah, definitely. And this is, do you think this is it's going to cost a lot of money? Is it money well spent? Um, well, I think if you're taking people off of the road and they're getting to work in a different way, um, it's good for the environment, it's good for people's health. Um, I think if you're encouraging people to to use the redways and you're making it easier for them to use it, they're more likely to do it. Stuart, so, thank yeah. you very much indeed. Stuart Allen runs Roy Pink's Bike Shop in Newport Pagnell, 08459 455 uh, uh, Later on, uh, well, later on, in the next 20 minutes or so, um, we're going to be speaking to our reporter, Justin Dealey, uh, about the California Ballroom in Dunstable. I hadn't heard of it until yesterday, I'm ashamed to say, and then everyone, you've not heard of the California Ballroom? I had a l- little look into it last night. Everyone played there. Everyone played there. Uh, Margaret's in Milton Keynes. Morning, Margaret. Oh, good morning, everybody. That's, oh, good, uh, good morning. That's how kind of you to say good morning to everybody, Margaret. <laughs> Did you ever go to the California ballroom? Oh, loads of times. I saw Long John Baldry in the steam package with Julie Driscoll. Didn't Elton I, John I, played <laughs> on keyboards then. Really? He wasn't even famous. Wow. James Brown, Edwin Starr, Jimi Hendrix... Stevie Wonder, the Walker Brothers, Temptations, Drifters, loads more that I can't even remember. <laughs> but guess who was the worst and who was the best? Um, uh, uh, I bet the Stevie worst was... Stevie Wonder uh, was the best. Right, and the worst was Jimi Hendrix? Exactly. Yeah, it was rubbish. rubbish. Thank you. Thank and you. It was marvellous. 
you had room to dance. Yes. And they made eye contact with you. You, you were that close to them. And Stevie Wonder, magic. Well. The man is magic. He stood on the stage, and either side of him was like a minder so that he wouldn't fall off. Yes. Because he shuffled from side to side to of the music as he sung. Of course. And he was fantastic. Um, it was, oh, the atmosphere was so great. And there were so many others that I can't remember. And we were, we, we were so spoiled because we'd say, oh, James Brown again. James <laughs> Brown again! You know? <laughs> <laughs> Why? What? What years did you go, Margaret? Oh, I went went in the, the uh, late sixties yep. and the seventies. Yeah. And do you know what? You say the Rolling Stones were there. Yeah. See, I don't think they went there. Oh, really? I think they went to the Will and Hall in Bletchley. Oh. Because I just moved down in the sixties, and I'd missed them by about a month. The Rolling Stones. Yeah. Yeah. And I was told that they didn't want to do that venue. Why? Because they were getting really well known, and it was just a small venue, but it was written in their contract. And they were getting big then. We will investigate this. How many people did it hold then, Margaret? Oh, it uh, it held a good few hundred. But imagine that. People will find it hard to believe (laughs) that you saw, even if it was rubbish, Jimi Hendrix in a small club that held a few hundred people in Dunstable. Room. Yeah. I mean, around here, it was called, it was a big place. Yeah. But when you, Finsbury Park and Wembley, yeah. I mean, they're massive places. Of course, yeah. We were spoiled in the 60s. We queued up yeah. outside to get in. You never used to have to queue that long, except one day when it was really snowing. And you'd only pay about three quid to get in. And it was absolutely fantastic. Jimi Hendrix... When he was there, he was, he, oh, he was rubbish. He kept just twi- twanging his guitar, um, making a noise. Um, he couldn't get it to go. And I stood there for about, oh, half hour. And in the end, I said, oh, get a move on. And he gave me the dirtiest look ever. <laughs> <laughs> you heckled Jimi Hendrix and he I gave you a dirty Jimi look. Jimi Hendrix, that's my name to Oh, Margaret, you are wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, if she'd have called in a couple of hours earlier, that would have opened a whole new topic of debate, your claim to fame. She heckled. Oi, Hendrix, get a move on. And he gave her a dirty look. Listen, regular listeners to this show will be aware of my, my feelings about Jimi Hendrix. I think he's very overrated. Oh, look, I can play the guitar with my teeth and then do a wee-wee on it. Well, a big wow, play us a song. But Margaret has taken it one step further by standing in front of Jimi Hendrix and shouting at him, Get a move on. <laughs> we'll do that next week. What have you shouted at rock stars? That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing next week. What have you shouted at rock stars? That's a fantastic uh, topic. We, if you're wondering why we're talking about the California ballroom, there's, there's an exhibition going on. Uh, Justin Dealey will be telling us about it a little bit later on. And, and before the end of the show, we, we have musical royalty in the studio with us. Clem Curtis from the Foundations. Oh, yes, please. He's coming in. Can we persuade him to sing a song like a polka? That's uh, the question on everybody's lips. Will, 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 he, um, will he grace us with a little bit of the vocals? That's what, that's what we're hoping for. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, don't forget, listen, if, we, if, if there are things out there that you think we should be talking about that we're not mentioning, you can always send us an email, even when we're not on air. 3cr at bbc.co.uk. Or go to the Facebook page. Go to Facebook... 
Find BBC Three Counties Radio on there and you can kind of leave messages for us and say, hang on, you've not mentioned this. Perhaps you should look into this. Always interested in your stuff. Here's the travel news. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still looking slow at the moment, southbound on the A1M, where we have reports of an accident involving two vehicles between Junction 7 at Stevenage and 6 at Welling Garden City. Anti-clockwise on the M25 as well, still slow between 16 at the M40 and 15 at the M4. Looking a lot better now around Junction 27. And heading south on the Barnet Bypass, still slow between Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass. Everything else not looking too bad, actually. Seems to be coping fairly well. But don't forget, a replacement bus service is still running on Greater Anglia between Ware and Hartford East, following a signal problem a little bit earlier on. There's more in 15 minutes. Thank you very much, Sophie. Morning, it's 8.46. It's Friday the 26th of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. The government is setting tougher tests in numeracy and literacy for people who want to become teachers in England. The MP for Chesham and Amersham is criticising the government's allocation of compensation for people living along the proposed HS2 rail link. Cheryl Gillan says the route could change. In sport, former England and Watford goalkeeper David James has been awarded an MBE for services to football and charity. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks is a cold one. Chilly, staying mainly dry, sunny spells, top temperature, 9 degrees. Yeah, thanks. And coming up, we are celebrating your memories of the California Ballroom. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday afternoon from three, Roberto Peroni. Burkhampton Castle has come under attack from badgers. The animals have been digging up huge amounts of turf there and English Heritage has been forced to tape most of it off. Roberto Peroni. How long has this attack been going on for? Well, I don't know if it is badgers. It really is most odd. I mean, it could even be little green men from outer space. Yeah, steady, on there, steady on there, John. <laughs> Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Stevie Wonder, The Rolling Stones, Bob Marley, and uh, a rather relaxed Jimi Hendrix all performed at the California Ballroom in Dunstable. And from tomorrow, the reason we're talking about it, well, because tomorrow an exhibition celebrating the venue will open at Priory House Heritage Centre. Len Crawley from Letchworth is with us now. Morning, Len. Good morning. You played at the California Ballroom in the 60s, didn't you? Yes, I did many, uh, well, several times. Um, I'm speaking to Roberto, aren't I? No, this, no, you're not speaking to Roberto. He's still in bed, the lazy so-and-so. This is Ian. <laughs> Hello, Ian. Hello, Len. Yeah. You're right. Hey, listen, man. You you played in rock rock groups in the '60s. Yes, You're not I expected did. to remember everything. In California Ballroom. I played in my band, Linda Lane and the Sinners. Uh, we supported um, the Kinks. We wow. supported Shane Fenton and the Fantones, and many times with the Baronites, who who I'm a member of now. Actually, hang on a minute. You remember the Baronites now? When did you join them? I joined the Baronites about five years ago. Wow! Uh, I we used to be like a support band to the Baronites yep. in the sixties at, yep. uh, at the Cali, and um, and then I played on some of their records in the seventies. Well, what was it like uh, supporting bands like the Kinks? Well, it was great. You know, I mean, you'd be at one end of the because um, the ballroom was a very big ballroom, and there was like a main stage at one end and a smaller stage at the other end, which was for the support band like us. Yeah, and uh, they, they, they were great. They were just nice guys, you know. And that uh, they we'd go on about eight o'clock and do our sort of hour spot, and then they'd come on at nine o'clock and do their spot, and 
we'd all go to the dressing room afterwards and have a chat and <laughs> you know it was it was great I, yeah. I, are you sure Len it was just a chat you were having in the 60s oh absolutely good lad good lad <laughs> uh, and so uh, what, to tell us more about because I, I, I hadn't heard of the California Borum until yesterday I'm ashamed to say and I was looking it up last night and w- what a place I, <laughs> I, I should just say that uh, Clem Curtis has just joined me in the studio good morning sir shame <laughs> <laughs> I know listen it's terrible but, uh, but I looked it up yesterday it, it looked like an amazing place Len what was so special about it well, I, I, I don't really know. It was um, it was just like the in place to be in the sixties in, in Dunstable, and they, they they'd sort of get all the big name bands from America, you know, bands like the Temptations and and you know uh, all, all the all the name acts from America, and also a lot of the big names from England, you know, and it was just like the in place to be, really. Hang, hang on a second, Clem, you can't take a phone call. We're on the radio. What are you doing? Clem Curtis is, he's, he's been like a diva, he's like a rock star. Tell him off, tell him off. <laughs> Clem Curtis, you can't tell take a phone call. I didn't know What do you didn't know we're on? I've got headphones on, I'm talking to Len Crawley. I've got I'm caught sorry. <laughs> oh, dearie, dearie me. I know people are calling me this time of morning. <laughs> that, that, that people are surprised that you're up, that's what it is. That's what it is. Uh, Len, so it, it, it holds a very special place for you. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember it very well, and, and it's, just, it's a special place in everybody's heart really you know from from that time who went there you know everybody remembers it uh, and then know, the Baron, uh, very, who's our age anyway and very very quickly the Baron Knights the Baron Knights you're still off and about and doing gigs and stuff are you yes, yes. we were at the Gordon Craig it's Theatre last night uh, tonight and last night we were in Chichester fantastic listen best of luck lovely to talk to you I'm joined by uh, Clem Curtis from the foundation I'm Shane. is that your I'm phone just, again it's just turned off <laughs> Thanks, man. It's just turned off. Why, sir? Why are you... <laughs> We've got off to a terrible start. Look at the the, the anger. You're angry because I hadn't heard of the California Ballroom, aren't you? It was, it was sad. It, it is sad. It is sad. Listen, I'm a huge fan of the 60s. I'm off to see one of the no, monkeys in concert. you're not a fan of the 60s. Us, you would have known them at the California I, Ballroom. It's a huge gap. How old are you, young man? I'm 39. Okay, I could understand. I could just you... about get away with it. It's a huge gap in my knowledge. I was looking up, uh, looking it up yesterday. Mm. It, it's an amazing place. You played there a few times, did you? A few times, yeah. Why was it so special to you? Like the lady said earlier on, it was the sort of closest gig to London. Yeah, and it was the you know it was the place to go. I mean, uh, I remember people used to pay ten shillings, right? And you know, people like Tom Jones was a pound or one pound and fifty. Incredible. Which was plenty of money at that time. Did you hear, did you hear the lady you're on who, who, who shouted at Jimi Hendrix to yes, get on I with heard, it? I heard. <laughs> <laughs> That's the coolest oh, thing. That, that, that was funny. That's <laughs> brilliant. You never had anyone shout at you to get on with it, did you, Clem? No. No, you, you, you were bang straight in there with the songs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what, what kind of other acts? I mean, listen, your band was big enough as it was, but what, what other acts did you, did you play with? Well, I... Just, I I toured with Stevie Wonder, I toured with the Four Tops, Wow. Temptations, right, uh, Janis Joplin. Wow. Wow. I know, it's... It, it, Fifth it, Dimension. It's a who's right. who. Uh, the Birds, if you ever heard of them. I've, I've, now, the American Birds. Yes. Of course I've heard of the Birds, sir. T- Tim Buckley. Yeah. You, <laughs> Fifth Dimension. You played with Tim... No, I'm, OK, just indulge me for a second, dear listener. You played with Tim Buckley? Mm-hmm. The, the, the fantastic, legendary, overlooked folk singer? That's right. What was he like? A space cadet, I'm guessing. Well, I, we did uh, the Fillmore in New York, Fillmore East. I had yeah. on tour, and yeah. he was... They were the sort of reopened, and they were the thing that was going, and then yeah. we went from there. 
to Los Angeles and we did uh, San Francisco. We did stuff with the Fantastic. Chinese You were friends as well with Sammy Davis Jr. I met him, yes. How did that come about? Well, we just came back from America from tour and in those days it was the black power jobbing. Yeah. And uh, somebody gave uh, to the black power people a, a place in Camden Town. And they wanted to interview, you know, they, I got there and they wanted to do some interview and I really wasn't into it. I went out that evening uh, and I met this chap called Larry who had a restaurant in Westbourne Park Road. Yeah. Sammy Davis Jr. They introduced me to him. Wow. Told him that, that I sang. They told him a song I sang and he thought it was great. And I was grateful because for a week we wandered around Portobello Road and I took him to all the sort of basement places you showed sammy davis around around town around yeah and then he, i had a studio flat in Ells court and he visited my humbly studio flat in Ells court how amazing is that <laughs> how amazing is that that was great well, of course it's great yes um and the, the the california born in particular what memories have you got about that well when i first went to california ballroom uh, the stage was... They used uh, straw bales. I'm serious. <laughs> they, they did put, not, they really? Put, they put straw bales, yeah. right, and they put a... like a board on top, mm. right? And as the years went on, and, you know, it got more famous and famous, and they started building sort of chalets and stuff, and then ginormous sort of room. I think a lady said... Uh, it was. I think it held about 1,500 people. Right, Okay. Right, and uh, like she said, you know, you were on top of each other, you know, it was just yeah, personal, you know, it's, it's nice when you uh, do gigs and, you know, you're with the audience rather than miles away from yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And in those days, it was close and personal, and it was, it was fantastic. Listen, I know it's really early in the morning. Early in the morning? I've been up since that young lady promised to wake me up at six thirty and never called. This is this is Kelly who works on our team. She's right. she, she's, she's terribly slack. She'll, she'll be fine. She won't be here on Monday. Call me, don't worry. Right. It, what do I have to do to persuade you to sing us a little snatch? Can you give us a little bit? Of what? One of the hits. One of the hits. I'm in the presence of rock royalty here. Oh, I know whatever really? you, whatever oh, you yeah. fancy. Well, I think. First number one record, and in actual fact, that I that's the first time I ever sung in the studio. Baby, now that I found you, I can let you go. Build my world around you, I need you so. Baby, even though you don't need me, you don't need me. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> if you want any more, you've got to pay. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time you sang in the studio. That was the first time. And in actual fact, Foundation's really, and most people don't really know this, but uh, we started with Edwin Starr. Mm. We were Edwin Starr back in band yep. before we went into studios. And I think we did 36 gigs with him. And the ladies, you know, Rolling Stones, The Who, The Gun, uh, everybody was on the road. And it was amazing because when you left London, on a Friday or Saturday, there was like a procession of groups going up north, right? And if you broke down, no one would ever leave you. They'd stop and, you know, either tow you to the next uh, services and they would make sure that they phone the gig to say that you're on your way. Yeah. And at night when we come back, Watford Gap, every band stopped at Watford Gap <laughs> on the way home. 
<laughs> and in jukebox, you know, they stuck, if you had a record in charts, they stuck, you know, sixpence in it, and your record was there, and you walk in the door, and everybody would sing. It, it was fantastic. great fun. What are you doing now, sir? You busy? Very. I've been doing cruise ships, my dear fellow. Oh, lovely. Very I nice. I just got back from Antigua on Monday. Beautiful. Right, so back to the gorgeous weather of, of here. <laughs> yes. uh, so this last couple of years, I've been everywhere in the world, and, you know, uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Who'd have, did you, who'd have thought that in, in the, the mid-60s that so many of these acts would still be going in the, the year 2012? It seems incredible, doesn't it? It is incredible. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, sorry, a few people who have gone away and we're in that age group that you think, oh, am I next? But... Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. I'm not ready. <laughs> you're, you're looking well and healthy. I think, I think you've, uh, you've do got... You know, I'm looking well. You don't even know how old I am. I'm not going to hazard a guess. I'll go on. No, I'm not. Oh, come on. Let's see how bold you are. Go on. 65. <laughs> <laughs> go on, then. What is it? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I'm 72, man. <laughs> Well done, sir. You look, you're looking very good for it. I don't know what's under that hat, though. That's the thing. Under the hat, it could be nothing. There's nothing under the hat. <laughs> if, it, if I'd have seen that, I think I would have been a little bit closer to the truth. No, 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 you wouldn't have. Clem, listen, it's lovely to meet you. Thank you so much for coming and in. It's a pleasure, man. Very, very kind. We'll get you in again for a, for a longer chat at some point. We have to move okay. on. Here's the Thank travel you. news now. Here's Sophie. and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Southbound on the M41 lane is currently closed following a vehicle fire between Junction 6 at Wallington and 5 at Stoke and Church. And heading south on the A1M, we still have reports of an accident as well. Two vehicles involved between 7 at Stevenage and 6 at Welling Garden City. While heading south through Chesant on the A10, is still slow at the moment, just around Theobald's Lane. And southbound on the A1, Barnet Bypass, still slow as well between Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass. On the trains, a replacement bus service is currently running on Greater Anglia between Ware and Hartford East, following a signal problem a little bit earlier, although tickets can be used on the London Underground and First Capital Connect services. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. Well, I've had fun this morning. Have you? I hope so. Wasn't Clem Curtis fantastic? He's looking good for his age, if I'm honest. Right, I'm off to Glasgow. I'll be back on Monday at six. Fingers crossed. Stick around. JVS is up next. Ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. What a fantastic show. Thank you very much indeed, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Friday morning in Beds, Hearts and Bucks. And on today's big phone-in, I'm asking...